Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Armando Jaycox. I am a roofing contractor in Denver, Colorado, and thank you very much for listening to my podcast. The purpose of this podcast is twofold. One is to give customers more information about roofing services, and the other is to give fellow roofing contractors some good entertaining information to listen to while they're driving around in their trucks all day. So hopefully you really get a lot out of this and I really appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Today on the show, we have uh, William Restrepo, um, which is, he is a pretty just insane salesperson. Basically he's uh He's pretty much a beast. He's the top producer in our company. Um, pretty much crushed everybody else in our company um, for the last this last year, 2017. Um, he is, uh, in my opinion, a little bit of a rags to riches story, really. Um, in the over just the last two years, I mean, in two years he's come so far that it just blows me away, inspires the heck out of me too. And so um, I want to kind of um, go through his story, I want to go through, it's very generous for him to even be here and kind of share all this information with us. And I want to kind of go through his story. And I think the point of this is going to be kind of developing the habits of a top producing salesperson and kind of what that looks like. So thanks, Will. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Definitely. So uh, let's see. Let's kind of get right into it. Um, So... I just kind of want, we work together. I just want to say like, thanks for everything you do, <laughs> you know, because you really do a great job. It's fantastic. And I always use you as an example for people like, well, Will's doing this, Will's doing that. It's pretty awesome. So, um, you know, I just want to kind of get into the, a little bit of your story, like, you know, where you're from, where, where, uh, where you grew up. Um, you're 41, I think, right? Yep. 41. Okay. So we're the same age. When is your birthday? March 27th. March, mine's October 8th. So that means you're a little bit older than me. That's right. A few months. <laughs> okay, so you're 41, and you really only got into roofing like two years ago. Yeah. For the um, most part, right? Yeah, it's pretty uh, crazy, uh, the story and how I got into it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want me to jump right into it now, or you want me to go a little bit further. So I know we just kind of discussed the basic outline, and a lot of this is just going to come out naturally, you know? So yeah, I think sure. um, I think we're, we're definitely getting into the two, the, you know, it's still, I mean, even when I think about it right now, where you've come in two years in such a short amount of time is pretty nuts, really. Mm -hmm. So, but I do want to get into, um, let's just kind of, before we get into all that, let's get into like, you know, where, where are you from? Like, I think you're from Connecticut, right? Yeah. That's where you're born and raised. Yes. I was born in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, my mom is Italian and my dad is Colombian. And on my father's side, uh, my grandfather has a pretty interesting story how he came over to the States, but just so you know, my father was born in Prada, uh, Columbia. Okay. And so they have a pretty large family there. Your my, mom has been here for, for many generations. Yeah, yeah. And they, they came over from, her family came from Italy, like when there was a big migration back in the day. Yeah, you know, I don't know exactly because the heritage, like the, the traditions and the customs in the mm-hmm. family were very strong. Mm-hmm. Like if you came over to the, the Italian side, mm-hmm. it was always certain meals it was always like give a kiss mm-hmm. and they always say hey william's a really good boy and stuff mm-hmm. you know he's always mm-hmm. giving respect and mm-hmm. and the and like the nine brothers and sisters they they would talk like you know who's gonna be the head of the family now and stuff when this mm-hmm. person passes away so mm-hmm. you, you heard that at times so you, you feel 
like it wasn't too far back that they came from Italy. It, it was really mm. strong the traditions. Okay, but definitely okay. from the Colombian side, I know it and I heard it because my my father was from Colombia. So you're kind of like not really a straight up first generation American. You're kind of like half generation, right? Yeah, American. exactly. Because your mom has been here for many generations. Your dad was born in Colombia, which means that you're kind of like half first generation American. I'm really proud of being a first generation American. Yep. Both my parents are from Mexico. Mm-hmm. They both like, you know, um, basically my mom ran away when she was like 17. They snuck out in the middle of the night. Oh and my like, God. Yeah. And like it crossed the border like a couple days later. Um, and they, uh, and, and so then they came to Vegas and started having me. So like, that's something I'm really proud of. I like to kind of talk about that because it's a different perspective when you're fat, when you're, especially when your father, I mean, he's basically from a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's bringing a whole other tradition, whole other set of values to you where a lot of those values really like like work hard, kind of work ethic type thing. Huge. My grandfather, um, biggest role model is my grandfather because he's the one that came over and he would tell us stories. And you know what? Some of the stories he tells the average person, I wouldn't listen to it. But because, you know, his character, his, you know, the way he comes about things. Mm-hmm. He's told me lessons like, you know, always stay on the right side of the law. Mm-hmm. If I came home from school and I did my schoolwork, mm-hmm. he would say, go study more. Mm-hmm. Well, the teacher told me only to do this. No, go study more. Mm-hmm. William, mm-hmm. do the best you can. Mm-hmm. Be the best. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And I was like, he would tell me stories like if, when he was back in Columbia, like something simple. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in the filing room, mm-hmm. I came up with an idea mm-hmm. and I thought I'll put everything in alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. I brought it to my boss and I said, mm-hmm. this is my idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like almost ready to laugh. <laughs> like you figured out how to <laughs> alphabetize. But like to him, yeah. it was just, it was a story that was yeah. big back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he, it was a lesson that he wanted to teach me and stuff. Did your dad come over here? Like, um, so your dad was born and raised in Colombia. Was he a teenager when he came over here or? No, they're fairly young. I, I'd okay. say Mary was the oldest. So she probably, you know, think she was close to like maybe 10 years old my dad was closer to like mm. six or seven okay so yeah okay they were really really young then right okay yep okay wow that's that's so that whole like um so like the do the right thing the the work hard ethic the stay on the right side of the law that's like very strong values that are like ingrained deep inside of you yeah i mean for instance everyone always asks why don't you speak spanish all mm-hmm. your other family members speak spanish uh-huh and it's because my grandparents, when they got up in the morning, mm-hmm. they would have breakfast at the same time, dinner at the same time, lunch at the same time, same kind of meals, like big, huge meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so structured so that when they would talk to you in Spanish, you didn't have to understand what they were saying. You didn't need to know the words. Mm-hmm. You knew the situation. So you just mm-hmm. said yes or no, or you, you obliged that you know situation and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you didn't get used to translating especially when they talk so fast to you in spanish so you just couldn't get figured out i had my moments where i tried just just situational things came up and you you realized did that, you you tried to learn spanish yeah of course i mean I, and i've taken like spanish a couple of times and stuff in the course yeah but really unless you have someone that's there to talk to you in spanish and apply it mm-hmm. um it doesn't really happen i can yeah. pick up little words here and there and get the gist of it yeah but uh, i'm not there yet so. yeah so you um so you grew up in Connecticut, pretty typical kind of like middle class type upbringing or? No. Um, so my dad and my mom, when they met, uh, they were young. He went to the military mm. and that's when I was conceived and stuff. Is So back in oh, he was in the military? Yeah, like just before. So he <laughs> okay. was in the military. So okay. he came back when I was mm-hmm. you know, conceived. Okay. But um, 
they it didn't work out after the first year. He had to come back to conceive you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, your your mom got pregnant, obviously, with you. Right. And she yeah. was 17. Oh, damn. Yeah. So she was I young. That. Damn. Yeah. So her life uh, changed instantly for that. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. So for her, her mother. Yeah. Um, they they lived and her family lived in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. Not in a really great uh, section. Um, okay. We had a walk to school, which wasn't mm. a huge walk. My mom had a walk to her job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not having a kid myself, mm-hmm. well, a couple of kids now, mm-hmm. um, I can't even imagine mm-hmm. I would allow this to happen. But I would yeah. have to walk to school. Yeah. I'm like first grade. Yeah. So yeah. that's not, you're not <laughs> the old. You know, it's so funny. I was talking to my wife recently and we lit, we were looking at houses and stuff. And there was, a, I was like, it'd be cool to live right by the, by the school where mm-hmm. you can walk to school. And she was like, walk to school. And I was like, yeah. And like we would, she wouldn't even, it, it didn't even cross her mind. She's younger. She's, she's only like 28. Yeah. So like for me though, I walked to school too when I was growing up. I walked to school when I was in kindergarten, first grade. Like it was right across the street by myself. Yep. And, um, and she, and I told her about it. She was like, that's crazy. I was like, well, that, that's just normal for me, you know? And because you and I are the same generation. Yep. That was normal to just walk to school by yourselves, right? If it's like nearby. Normal. Normal. Is that, I mean, there is, we knew where the bullies would stand. So we had to know to get away from them, <laughs> like mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. get to school. Um, if we came back home and the door was locked, we realized my mom was at work. So we'd have to walk so many blocks to get there. I was an altar boy. So on certain days I'd have to walk all the way to the church. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. it was in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. You would never think it would be safe to do that, but mm-hmm. we were fine and stuff. I mean, yeah, that's all we well, knew. That's the way it was back right. then, you know? Yeah. 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 So, um, so you kind of did, you grew up at going to elementary. So then it wasn't, so it wasn't your typical, it was your typical middle-class upbringing. It was, you know, your mom was very young. Your dad was in the military so you had to have, I mean, that, that there's a lot of challenges that comes with that sort of situation, right? Yeah. At that age, you don't realize it's a challenge. It's just okay. life and stuff. Yeah. You know, Christmas comes along, you get that toy. You're like, oh, life is amazing and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the only thing that really seemed like a challenge at the time as a kid mm-hmm. is, do I have to eat this for dinner? Oh, I hate mm-hmm. this food and yeah. stuff. It's, okay. That's all kids look at at yeah, that age. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And so you kind of went to, to, the, to the elementary school going into junior high. Right, you went to junior high in Connecticut. Yep. So we we moved um, a few times. So that time, um, my, well, your parents split up. They split up. Yeah. Okay. Back then. Yep. So when uh, you were really young. So it was like having a single mom. Okay. But my grandparents from my father's side, mm-hmm. they they were the best. So they would come every single weekend and pick mm-hmm. me up and take us for the whole summer every single. Did weekend. you like feel that you, your parents were splitting up and like did you feel like oh my dad's not around every day now? You know I. I hear from my mom mm-hmm. that, you know, he was the best of the best and stuff that because mm-hmm. I would perceive him that way. Yeah. And of course, parents are like, look, you know, one does the struggle. One's the mm-hmm. superhero. You have the fantasy of the other person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's what you always hear from the parents uh, growing mm-hmm. up and stuff. Um, I really didn't think too much of it and stuff. It was just, mm-hmm. this is how it is and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I guess in Hartford, Connecticut. You weren't necessarily missing your dad and stuff like that. No, not not okay. really and stuff. Okay. Uh, I mean, we saw him enough. Okay. And yeah. he always lived close by. That's good. I think I perceived him as, I don't know if you like make excuses for people because you want, you care for them and stuff. But yeah. like, yeah. I knew he wasn't there yet as like an adult. He was, okay. he was definitely like... He was young. He was in his early 20s pretty yeah, much. Yeah, still like to right? play basketball. He lived I this. can't even understand that. Like people in their early 20s having kids. I mean, I'm sure there's listeners out there that, are, that have kids. I and, see it now. I'm like, wow, you just skipped a whole... 
portion of your life that you have to explore yeah. and grow as as an individual. But it's tough. Yeah, I can't imagine that. But uh, yeah, I my, I remember my I don't remember them splitting up, but my dad really wasn't around a whole lot when I was like really young. Right. So it's like really like it. And I remember, you know, there was times when he's supposed to pick me up and he didn't type thing, you know? Sure. And that's like super hard when you're a kid. And, you know, my friends were playing with their dads and like, you know, um, they, they were playing with their dads and, and they, um, and I'm like, where's my dad, you know? And like, why am I, you know, my coach would, would play catch with me instead. Right. And it was just kind of like pretty, I had that like in the forefront of my mind. So, and it really, it sucked back then and it kind of still sucks now, but I use it to help me like become like the best dad I could be for my kid now, mm-hmm. which is in a way I've basically learned to kind of like get that like experience that really kind of sucked for a long time and now like use it to, you know, serve me in a positive way and like, you know, be a real, be the best dad I could possibly be, you know? Right. And, you know, I was, I thought I was really lucky because, you know, I have my mom. She's great. Mm-hmm. My grandparents that live downstairs from us that own the house, amazing people. But from my dad's side, mm-hmm. I would always go to their house on the weekend. So you're in school, you have bedtimes and stuff like that. So you don't really see too much of friends anyways during that time. Mm-hmm. But on the weekends, right down the street was my cousins, Frankie and Alex, okay. around our age. Okay. Carlos was a little older. So he mm-hmm. was like, if we played sports, We'd have two first two, three first three. And on that street, we had like 10 kids. It was mm. like the Sandlot. Oh, wow. So every day it would be like, bicycle. if we saw a Tour de France, we'd do bicycle race through three towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, FIFA soccer, we'd have a soccer tournament. Mm. Basketball, we had That's awesome. the park down the street. So it yeah, was. That sounds great. I mean, it that was. sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome growing up. So, I mean, <laughs> that's cool. I got lucky and, and have my grandfather yeah, there too. It definitely <laughs> made a difference. I can see if I was at my parents' house, my mom's house, yeah. and I didn't have that. Yeah. It would definitely be, I'm missing out on a lot of things. Yeah. I would not have been able to go out there and play all the sports I did. Yeah. I mean, so I definitely see that. Yeah, it's huge. Did you end up playing sports in high school? Yeah. So I, I played soccer my whole life and, uh, you know, just at the park kind of deal. So it was mm-hmm. an adjustment going into athletics at the school mm-hmm. because then there was all these rules and stuff. So I was kind of behind in that. But I mm-hmm. caught it pretty quick um, and I did really well at that level. I just went to, when I did school... I was kind of like one of those kids that were like kind of like bored with school. Okay. At least this is the way my mom tells me. And she says that I would tell her things like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? I mean, why yeah. do I have to study? Yeah. Not did I, I never did my homework, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> and I would tell her, it's like, it's just really easy, the, the stuff they're teaching us. And yeah. she would say, okay, prove it to me. And I'd come back with an A on the test. See, there okay. you go. Why do I have to do all the, the paper? Well, you do, you are kind of a little bit like, yeah, you're a little <laughs> all over the place sometimes for sure. I am. <laughs> and you've been like that. that. You've been like that since you were young too, right? Yeah. I get 10 ideas in my head. Yeah. And by the time I'm done talking to you, mm-hmm. I've already figured out something in my head that, well, that's not really going to work. Let's go ahead and do it a little bit better. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know if you, you probably remember, we were, we opened that office in Colorado Springs pretty much for you. Yeah. And then we were meeting you there and we were kind of going, you kind of like pitched me this idea of like, let's have like a bunch of satellite offices. And I was like, it's a great idea. I actually still believe in it. It's just that I was kind of like, well, let's like, like crawl before we run, you know? It's right. like, and I've always been kind of <laughs> that way. Like, let's crawl, let's walk, let's run. Yeah. And um. And, and so, uh, but I could tell you, you're kind of, you, you just had to kind of go through the experience. And once you kind of got a couple guys under you, I think you started to see like, okay, like 10 satellite offices is, you know, in a couple of years is probably, we probably should extend that goal out maybe a few more years type thing, you know? Sure. Yeah. You know, but, um, 
but yeah, so then you, uh, so you did play um, high school sports. Yeah, I did soccer. I did track. Um, those are the two biggest ones. I did indoor soccer. Okay. So primarily out of trouble and stuff. Yeah, soccer was my biggest thing. I loved soccer. I want when I was younger, okay. I wanted to go professional soccer player. Okay. I wow. really, I really Dang. wanted to go professional Dang. soccer player. So you were like a total jock in high school then. Yeah, you know. Um, God, I was just an oddball in high school. Oh, were you really? Yeah, I had only like two or three really good friends. I, I had okay. acquaintances that I was friends with, of course, the soccer team. But yeah, like there, I mean, I have some really crazy stories too. Yeah, um, yeah. So when high school, okay, so I, the way I kind of like think of it, like I was definitely a problem kind of kid in high school. A lot of lot of trouble. I mean, I like literally got arrested, and um, you know, and so uh, you know, I got had I was a runaway a couple of times, like you know, pretty pretty bad stuff. And, um, and then I, there's like other kids in my high school who are like, um, you know, on leadership society, you know, honor society, um, you know, the, uh, you know, just doing like, just, you know, doing really well in school and stuff. And then there's kind of kids in the middle that you kind of, you know, didn't really think about too much. Where would you kind of put your, not think about too much, but just kind of, you know, just kind of doing their thing, doing okay, playing some sports, not really getting in a lot of trouble, but not doing like leadership society. Where do you think you kind of fit in, in high school more or less? Were you kind of a loner type guy? No, I just, uh, I felt really comfortable in the group of friends I've had. Okay. And uh, really, I mean, to this day, I'm still best friends with all of them. Like you kind of grew up with the same set of friends and you guys all went to elementary, junior high and high school together? Uh, no. So, I mean, we, I changed schools. It wasn't until I got to Columbia, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. That was around sixth grade that mm -hmm. I stayed there. Okay. Um, from there, there was different schools you can go to for high okay. school. Okay. So my mom thought to herself that, mm -hmm. hey, you know, he's not doing so well in school. Mm -hmm. Let's put him in a technical school hmm. for trade. Hmm. Interesting. So um, it was great. I mean, I went there and I met my best friends. And, okay. uh, you know, it was bittersweet because I really wanted to become an astrophysicist. What I, was the trade that you were kind of getting into? Architectural drafting. Oh, that's like, that's not like your, that's like a pretty high level trade, right? Yeah. And I did really well. I placed in a few uh, contests in the state. I got first, uh, second place in one. Hmm. Um, I, and then later on in the years, I went and pursued more school for that. Mm -hmm. And I got first place for both mechanical and uh, mechanical drafting and architectural drafting. Wow. Well, I had no idea about that. It makes sense now because you your drawings are kind of meticulous a lot of times. Yeah, it's just from habit. I mean, back then when I was in architectural drafting in high school, that was uh, there wasn't a lot of CAD. We started playing with it. Mm -hmm. So it would be like let doing your letters you have to spell things out to a certain height mm -hmm. all the way across yeah everything was drawn by hand okay which is redundant now because i think about it now well but. you sent a drawing recently you to one of our guys and like this is kind of what the drawing should look like and i was like thinking to myself i can't even draw that thing and i we just go i just go off of eagle view which is you know the the measurements but like um you actually you do draw your stuff out like quite a bit. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, I think you're referring to the part where it's color coded. I put like triangles and squares, and I, I was think trying, so. Yeah, I was trying to show people how to imagine a roof when you break it down into geometric shapes. Yeah, so that you can easily go ahead and draw it and also make yourself the mm -hmm. mathematical areas to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you don't have the right measurements out there, it's just useless information. Mm -hmm. Which I've had a, a few times in the past where people just mm -hmm. hand me something. And, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, that's where that came from. Okay. Um, it was four years of that. Yeah. Um, wow, four years of that. So you finished, high, that was your high school slash technical school. Yeah, and I made the most of it too. Uh, I To the point where one teacher said one thing to me that changed the whole outcome. I was offered to go to Roger Williams, which is a pretty good school for architecture. Okay. 
and they're offering me to go right from high school as a junior starting. Mm, wow. And it was like, wow. Was, but my teacher told me, you know, that architecture is a starving art. What? He said, you have <laughs> to get used to doing things not to your desires, but make it functional to what the homeowner wants. And that's okay. usually going to be really simple boxes and squares and that's I mean, it i'm sorry i don't mean to disagree with your teacher but like i the only i only know maybe like one architect that i know him fairly well he like retired at like 45 yeah you know and he was you know so oh yeah i, I don't you know what I, I don't really i don't know that i understand that kind of thinking yeah i i took it the wrong way and i was like i don't want that so and yeah so i I've always I, had a kind of a drive to be successful my biggest thing i said to myself is that I want to do something that's been 10% discovered. So I okay. like the idea of like engineering, which is constantly okay. like trying to figure things out. Yeah. But I really liked uh, towards the end of the school, I really liked astrophysics. Okay. Just the idea of it. Okay. Didn't know I, I started, you know, some crazy things happened to me in the 11th grade <laughs> that really made me go that direction. And my Would friend, you like take some LSD or something? <laughs> no, but like, I, I mean, it kind of felt like I did. Like I was sitting in a, I remember the class I was in Miss Weston's school. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Weston's class. It was uh-huh. uh, history uh-huh. and was sitting behind uh, one of my classmates, Jen Tatro. And I'm just bored out of my mind. She's talking. I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah. And then just like that movie Limitless, my perspective mm-hmm. just went really wide i could see Whoa. the clock over here i could see everything yeah and i was like seeing everything at once okay so you and i didn't know I was smarter from that i just knew yeah. like something's where i can see everything right now that's crazy i started like thinking about ash and one teacher then later on i don't know when it happened she said yeah. uh when when you can make um when the denominator becomes higher than a numerator mm-hmm. it becomes new more uh efficient i don't know if i'm getting it right because mm-hmm. I, I lost what i had that was a long time ago yeah a long time ago but I was like, okay, so back to the future. If I went mm-hmm. from point A to point B, mm-hmm. I would go back in time. And I was like, what if I did mm-hmm. point A to point A again? Mm-hmm. Just a circle. If mm-hmm. I went faster, I should get there. And I just played with those numbers. And I wrote like three huge notebooks of like all my perspectives and thoughts. Okay. My friends thought I was crazy. Yeah. I remember going out to the bar trying to bring girls back home to my roommates. <laughs> and there'll be a plate of cookies there saying, please uh-huh. do not eat my cookies okay. because if you do, I'll not be able to just travel back in time and stop you. Will Restrepo approve this? And I'll have a, all my notebooks stacked on. I was like, oh, wow. so my friends, had, they played with it for a while. Well, I remember we went camping, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago or whatever. And uh, we kind of were sitting around the campfire. We all kind of started getting these like crazy, you know, discussions about, you know, aliens and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you kind of got really into it. I remember that. I love that so, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, one of these days I, I'll have to tell you, I won't do it right now, but I'll, uh, I, have an experience an alien experience you told me i'll have to oh that's right we told you that night yeah so i'll have to uh save that for a different podcast but okay so um let's see then you went to so you finished that did you just start working right at right out of high school or you went to college so yeah here's the deal so i went i I really wanted to play soccer wanted to do all these big things okay and my mom never really went to a college Mm -hmm. so i didn't have I, i really didn't have the support or the guidance i should say on how to do nobody was telling you Will, you need to go to college. They didn't expect me to go to college. My grades okay. and reflect it and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. My, so we went to, uh, uh, so we went to a, a technical high school. Right. So you didn't have like recruiters coming through looking for you and stuff. Okay. But I really believed that I was really good at soccer. Okay. So I went on my own to different schools trying mm. to get in. Mm. Um, basically got into Eastern. Okay. And I was procrastinating on getting all my classes and mm. stuff that. Waited until mm. the last minute. My mom's like, you know, 
you get away with a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. but you know, if you keep playing this off, you're not going to get into the classes. Mm -hmm. So last, the last week of getting my classes done, I applied for all my classes, got into every single one I wanted. Mm -hmm. She's like, only you would get that lucky. Mm -hmm. Got in there, filed for my financial aid, mm -hmm. walked onto the team and everything was working out really good until the financial aid department said, Hey, we lost your paperwork. We don't know where it's at. Mm -hmm. So I kept on going. They kept looking for it. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was thinking, because I didn't really have guidance on this. I said, if they don't find that paperwork, mm -hmm. I'm going to owe like $10,000. Yeah. I don't want that bill. Yeah. So like <laughs> instantly, like once they like after a few times of hearing this, I went to the army recruiter mm. and just signed up, mm. came home, told my mom, hey, I'm in the army. Are you serious? That's how fast it was. <laughs> and like so many wow. times I told myself in the past, like if I ever did that, I'd probably go Coast Guard, like deep sea rescue or something like that. Yeah. And army. Yeah. And I told the recruiter, listen, if I'm done to do this, mm -hmm. I want to be James Bond. I okay. want to be a spy. Okay. Oh, that's a Cav Scout. Okay. They're they're like a combat spy. It's a little bit mm -hmm. of both. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. So anyways, my mom was a little shocked. My grandparents were worried. My best mm -hmm. friend was like, why are you doing this? Yeah, it sounds sounds like a very... It was drastic. Yeah, it sounds uh, very drastic. But when I, I remember once I got in, it was like three days after I got a letter forward yeah. to me okay you're approved for your financial aid you're good oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. wow so, so you already signed up though there i was, was no going back at that point so it's yeah I, I mean during this time frame i kind of left the college i went over that way i didn't even do it right i didn't even withdraw that's kind of like the typical young person thing to do you know like it when was, you're young you just don't wait you just kind of go sign up like and just don't really think about it especially if you don't have some adults kind of helping you or you know some some kind of guidance as far as like, let's just hold off a little bit, you know, a few right. days. And I, and I see merit in both. Yeah. Honestly, like now I see a lot of things I do now. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the non-hesitation to go do it attitude, mm -hmm. it does get you in trouble sometimes, mm -hmm. but you learn from those as long as you're mm -hmm. learning from it and using it. But I still kind of, when mm -hmm. I want something, I just do it. I just jump into it and get yeah. into it. They think that's a lot of the military training. Um, I don't know. It's probably some of that, mm -hmm. but it's also something I've always had. Like I've always wanted to do something. I'm yeah. Like everywhere I go, I told my girlfriend like, Hey, you know, I really want to go back to Connecticut because mm -hmm. I'm the, I'm everyone tells me you're the guy that got everything done for us. Mm -hmm. when, I, we're, when you're not here, we don't visit each other. We don't do nothing. But when you're here, mm -hmm. you're like the glue for everyone. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy that initiates everything. Yeah. So, and she well, says, you know, one th Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, she says, you know, it's funny that you say that because yeah, it seems everyone doesn't do anything until you call them up. You're the guy on Facebook that organizes all these events, football yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. you bring everyone together. So, I mean, yeah. and I think that's part of the mentality of like, hey, let's just get it done. Let's go. I want this. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 No, I could see that. I mean, also, I, mean, I think when we're young, we, we, we make some mistakes. And, but, they, we, you know, and then I think part of being successful is we have to find the positive in the so-called mistake. So like you, you may, you may have made a mistake by, you know, kind of like jumping right into the military and, you know, getting the, the, the financial aid a few days later, <laughs> but you know, ultimately that probably served you. Right. I, I constantly look back and say, man, if I look at all the good things and bad things that happened to me mm -hmm. and I don't try to justify each one saying like, what if I just look at it, like it had to have happened that way for me to be here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%, and I, and, and yeah. sometimes I hate it. Like you think back, like, man, I wish I can go back and do it again. Yeah. But then I think to myself, look at all the things I have now, like totally. my children, I would yeah. not have them. Exactly. So it yeah, had to be that so way. So true. It's so weird. Life is so, so strange about all those kind of things too. There's so many things I can think of that, you know, um, if they wouldn't have, 
happened the way I, the way they happened, then I wouldn't be where I am now. It's that basic idea, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's countless jobs that I was overqualified for that I applied for Mm -hmm. and I didn't get, and I was like, or, or I was mistreated or like, I, like for instance, I was going the direct buy. Mm-hmm. And I was take I had to memorize word for word twenty one script page. Doing a what direct buy? Uh, yeah, I was what is on, that? So direct buy is a place where you go if you're you can't be a contractor, but let's say you're a homeowner, you want to re- do your house. Okay, as long as you're doing like one room, mm-hmm. it's worth it to you. Okay, I won't disclose what it costs. Okay, but it's a membership fee. You have to pay some money up front, and they make oh, you okay. pay right then and there. Okay, um, but it's worth it if you have you're one room. A member of that. I was not. I was working there. Oh, you were selling that. Yeah, I was okay. the guy that I was trained to be the guy that does the hour long presentation by memory, word for word. Oh gosh! And then get to, and you have to get signed up that day, and yeah. it's substantial. So yeah, yeah. crazy. But, well, let's kind of okay. So you went in the military. I mean, I'm I don't I don't know that. Um, let's see. You kind of went in and then you served and then you got out, right? Is that, and there's a whole, probably a big story about serving and all the crazy stuff that happened then. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got in, uh, I remember the first day when they're, I got the ASVAB score back and I'm in the room and they're telling me what's available to me. Okay. And they're like, you got aviation, Mm -hmm. you got uh, medical, you got uh, Mm -hmm. engineering, you got demolitions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's a huge list. I mean, looking back now, I'm like, well, that was stupid to pass those up. Yeah. What happened to Cav Scout? I'm like, what happened to Cav Scout? And they're like, they're like, there's like three guys, two guys sat in the back and one guy sitting in front of you. And yeah. he goes, Cav Scout? Yeah. Whoa. And, he's, and he just fills paperwork out, changes oh, wow. it. I remember walking out thinking like, what What did I just do? Like, yeah. how did that happen? But I was like, whatever. Let's was do that it. like kind of to that in their mind? Like, wow, we actually got somebody who wants to do that? Like, Yeah. Cav Scout, so the life expectancy for a Cav Scout is like three to 21 seconds. And what? So you, you go would, out there and you basically... Like you're like the human prod. At? You're the human prod. So oh, wow. imagine if I have a, a mountain range to the right, mountain range to the left, and a valley in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the whole army is sitting back here. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what's up there, where mm-hmm. people are. Yeah, They would send like a unit of six of us out there mm-hmm. to kind of like sneakily go through, map mm-hmm. the train. Mm-hmm. We would predict what we were expecting to see. Yeah. And once we re- see it, we report back showing the army, hey, mm-hmm. we have... Uh, artillery over here. We have infantry units there. We have tank units over here. Mm-hmm. We have um, maybe there's some like obstacles over here. Did you here. actually do that then? You went. That was my. Out? That was my training. Yeah. In military, that's basically what you did. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in even in training, so it's kind of a miracle that you even survived that. Well, you know, I never went to actual combat, even though it was happening. Our unit didn't, didn't get deployed until after I was out. Oh, okay. But the training they make is yeah. they make it pretty real. Okay. So, like, I mean, yeah. there's times where you're trying to do exactly what you're, you're trying to do. So okay. you're up in an actual like hilly mountain I've, or whatever. Yeah. I've slept and woke up underneath like two feet of snow. Wow. I've had people, Dang. I've had a low crawl through a field and then people look for you and they're stepping on you and you're just holding your breath, trying not to move. Yeah. Wow. So they, they make it real, but yeah, nothing can, I won't, I won't try to like say it replaces the fact of actually being there. Cause yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm, I'm so glad yeah. I never had you know a go. Enemy I give credit to those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It raises the um, stress level a little too much. But you, you ended up, um, so you got to see the world a little bit then, right? You know, I, um, growing up and stuff, I, I was a blackjack dealer. Mm. I went to, you know, Foxwoods Resort Casino. I lived in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm. Um, in the army, I went to Fort Knox, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I went to Kansas mm-hmm. from Kansas. I, you know, take my little trips out to like Colorado or to Texas, mm-hmm. you know, just seeing a little bit, but mm-hmm. You know, Kansas didn't seem like seeing the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to so then you didn't really get to see the world necessarily, but you got a glimpse into Colorado. Yeah, is it, that kind of where you you thought I would really like to be there? 
No, I mean, man, when I first thought, I thought overseas was going to be awesome. And okay. they don't really give you that option. But okay. I can tell you at the age of 18, mm-hmm. I, I was on my Humvee and I see the sunrise or I'm over the Mojave Desert. Mm-hmm. And as crazy as cold as it was sometimes, mm-hmm. I would see things that I was like, man, my friends are back home and everyone's watching their TV and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like in this incredible spot right yeah. there. Yeah, that's and cool. I, I, I definitely you know, got a lot of good out of it. For I really, sure. I really miss the military and a lot. How of did you pick Colorado Springs to end up living and doing your life? So after I got out of the army, I came back home and, uh, my brother, you know, to Connecticut. My, yeah. Okay. So my younger brother, he was like, Oh, Will went to the army. I'm going to do it too. So he went in mm-hmm. and he was stationed out there in mm. Fort Carson. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. And afterwards he got married and he stayed mm. out here. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And your brother's still there. He still lives in Colorado Springs. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. Oh, that's cool. So you, um, so you got out of the military and then you, uh, kind of, you did a lot of different types of jobs. Yeah. Right. Yep. So for um, a long time. Yeah. You were, you, you were kind of trying to, were you trying to find your way type thing? Um, yeah, you know, I just, I get into stuff and I, I'd see like, this is not where I want to go with it and stuff. Mm-hmm. No one's, everyone always says like, why don't you stay in one field? Why don't you, yeah. you know, is that like a recurring feedback that you've gotten like through the last, let's say, let's see, um, 10 years even, or 15 years of like, why don't you just stick with it? Just stick with it. Right. Yep. I've got that quite a bit. And I've okay. actually said to people like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not what I want to do. I okay. see it now. Okay. And, and, and even now mm-hmm. I, t- I tell those people like looking back, like, mm-hmm. you know, thank God. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause look at me now and stuff. This, mm-hmm. And I don't want to go anywhere. This, mm-hmm. this is worth it to me. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you, there's, it's a complicated thing to say those words, like what, what's worth it to you. It's really tough. Cause yeah. you probably, you had a, a girlfriend, you've had, you've had a girlfriend now for a long time. It's yeah. kind of weird for me to call her your girlfriend. <laughs> she has been together like 12 years. Or it's like that. We have kids together. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But, um, she, um, Amanda has been with you for a long time and she probably seen you jump from different jobs and she was probably like, please will stick with something. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like some of my close friends and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you the jobs I've done, mm-hmm have made me the person I am now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you did have quite a bit of experience in door knocking. You got, what, what, how did you get into door knocking? So door knocking came, um, kind of by surprise. I just, I was with a girlfriend. We we're young. I really, after the military. Yep. After the military, okay. I really loved her. Her name was Sarah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just like felt back as she was through college. She finished, she graduated. Mm-hmm. I didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. So, she like was getting a stable person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, at that point you start realizing, okay, this is what a girl wants. So okay. I was like, I better find a, a good job and stuff. Okay. We just, we just okay. moved together to a new town. Okay. And I, I didn't have a car at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I might've, but it was probably like a, a beater kind of deal. <laughs> so I applied to this job Yeah. and, uh, Oh, just back up from there. Yeah. I was working, uh, through a temp agency in the insurance field. Okay. All right. And um, this is a little bit of corporate America, how they like being sort of like an administrative assistant type thing. Sort of like, okay. you know, just getting into I was uh, for travelers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, when I got in, I was all excited because she was in insurance and I felt like, you know, this is going to be something that's good for us. It's going to show us the ability. Yeah. And she, if she's doing it, it can relate to her and her parents probably approve too. Kind of okay. that was my mentality. Interesting. Interesting. So, so just to touch on that, you were kind of living so you've always been kind of like living like you 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 want to do what you what you know find something meaningful for you and it seems like you never really compromised that for a long time but 
early on, you were like, you weren't really like that necessarily. You're like, I'm going to do something that's going to be fulfilling to somebody else. Right. At this point. Okay. And I, and she made me happy. So like, this is something, she was one of the people that never asked anything of you. Okay. So it was like hard for me to go ahead and like, yeah, ever want to not do something for her. That's really hard. That's really hard. Cause I know, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I was single when I got into this business and it was, um, and I feel like if I would have had somebody there who I had to like, you know, support or even answer to, it would have been more challenging to, you know, when they see me go through the struggles of being in this business, you know, cause the first year or two, it's a struggle, you know? So, um, but you didn't really, uh, you, you had that person kind of, you know, there to, you at least felt some pressure upon yourself to yeah. be successful. Yeah. My, my motivation was always from that. And that was okay. my source. So like when I got into it, I, I went to the interview mm-hmm. and I started realizing that this was, uh, a marketing game where it's a me door to door knock. I didn't really know. Oh, really? Yeah. So, Dang. but the way they explained <laughs> to me, I was like, "This is." I didn't know. I, I was so naive. I was like, "Yeah." I didn't see the big picture. I just said, "You came up with this idea. This is like brilliant and stuff." Like, I was mm. looking at this young guy behind the, the desk mm-hmm. that went through the same program, mm-hmm. but I just thought it was his own individual. So you kind of thought you were going into the insurance business, maybe doing some administrative oh, stuff. Oh, saying, yeah, I'm, 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 I might have misspoken. So I, I did the, the insurance. Oh, okay. You did that. You didn't and like it. No, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great. It felt like I had a real job and stuff. Yeah. It was like everything was structured. Yeah. So the the way I got out of that was this. Mm-hmm. I they had us go in. I just came from college recently, and I've had mm-hmm. I've taken manager courses and things like that. Business. You're just taking some court college courses just to in kinda... the in the past. Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. when they brought us into this room, they brought all the temps in there, mm-hmm. and they said, "What do you guys think of?" A manager's role in, in the job, and mm-hmm. what should a manager do, and what, blah blah blah. This and all these different so questions. Th- you were at the Travelers, the insurance company, and then you, but you were a temp there, a temp. And then they they kind of gathered all the temps, the yeah. temp agency, got and, and got you guys all into a room. No, actually, Travelers. So imagine, okay. so imagine a skyscraper with multiple fl- floors. Yeah, the temp agency was on one floor, okay, and they supplied it to different companies. Okay, Travelers had a, a large portion of that. Okay. We were working in travelers. Okay. So in my position, mm-hmm. they would send me documents that the, you know, basically read through like sometimes 50 pages and mm-hmm. find the differences mm-hmm. and then send those to the correct department. So you went to the temp agency and they're like, yeah, we have a job for you. It's right upstairs. <laughs> right. Just go upstairs. Exactly. You started working. Yep. And then at some point somebody comes and says, okay, all the temps, like you guys get into this room. Yep. Okay. And, by, and by this point I'm doing great. Like my okay. managers like send me off to like, this is Will. He's the guy to go to if you need anything. So okay. everyone got to know me. I was doing my job well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go to this meeting and they're asking questions, just general questions about like, you know, what should a manager do, blah, blah. So we're, mm-hmm. ans- I'm answering things textbook, like, well, you should do this, 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 and not this, this, this. Okay. Well, um, the meeting lasts about like 40 minutes. We all go back to our desk and go back to work. Mm-hmm. Like an hour later, my boss, come, my manager comes like, what did I do to you? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, have I ever steered you wrong? Have I ever done something wrong to you and stuff? Can mm-hmm. you please explain this to me? And I was like, what are you talking about? I go... Because I got pretty chummy with her because she always come to me for help and stuff. And I just do it every time, no okay. matter what it was. Okay. It turns out that meaning mm-hmm. was directed based on what my manager does. So they were the, they were trying to get feedback like up, up towards your manager. Towards my manager. But they didn't okay. say like that. They just said in generalities what, okay. what should a manager do. Yeah. Okay. So when I say the good and the bad of what a manager should do and not do. Okay. They took it as if she does that. You were just kind of thinking theoretically manager should do this and that. But right. they're all like, okay, we're looking at his boss. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. all the all the times came over like, that's it. We're fired. I'm like, why? Like, 
if will if you can get fired mm-hmm. that means anyone can get fired wow and then one of the girls was at like started crying and stuff the, mm. the temp agency came up and got me and like mm. she's got in the elevator like what happened you were doing mm. so good i heard yeah. nothing about good things crazy and they fired you like that so why do they fire you why do they fire you guys because I'm the one that was speaking the most, saying this is what. Because oh. I just came out of the school okay. about like what to do and what not to do as a manager. So okay. I was just speaking frankly. Hmm. No okay. idea that they were doing that. I should have. I should have. It should have caught on. But so now you're stuck without a job again. That was the longest ride home. I was because uh, I had to face Sarah, tell her what happened. Yeah, and I was like horrible. I was like, sucks. what do I do now? So. Yeah. We have this apartment, and she's got a lot of faith in me for this. So that's when I was like, started looking up different jobs. Okay. And I came around that company. It was called okay. Sally Marketing. Okay. Right around from the house, right around from the house, corner okay. of the house. Went there and applied like a couple days later. Mm-hmm. Good news, Sarah. I got this new job and stuff. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And that was the door to door marketing thing. Yes. Okay. But you weren't really aware that it was door to door marketing, or you kind of were? I didn't really. You know, at that point, I just wanted something, and they they handled themselves professionally. I wanted to know that was stable. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I didn't really know. It didn't scare you? Going out door to door? You thinking, I'm going to go door to door knocking? That's like kind of sounds kind of crazy. You know, Sarah was in the back of my mind. Okay. And on top of that, I'm really super competitive. Okay. So So you just, they they, they probably pitched you pretty well, too. They probably, well, this is like going to be a value challenge. You know, there's some good money in this and that kind of stuff. The whole idea of it worked, like how it made sense to me uh, Mm -hmm. was it was intriguing. It was basically, let's say you're a company Mm -hmm. and you pay $5,000 to radio advertisement. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know who's coming back and mm-hmm. how well that effective is like, you know, yeah, being a customer. Back then, you really didn't know how your advertising was working. So they set up a thing where they can go to you and say, hey, I'm not going to charge you for my advertisement. Mm-hmm. I'm going to charge the customer for it. Hmm. But when I bring you that customer, mm-hmm. you're going to give some of your goods to them for free. So mm-hmm. this way, instead of putting 5000 to radio and not mm-hmm. knowing the return on it, mm-hmm. you're going to put your food, your service in that customer's mouth. Okay. Let them try it, and that's going to be the best way. Okay. And you're going to f- hmm. know immediately that mm-hmm. they came from us because they don't mm-hmm. have that promotion in their hand so like the next day or the, a couple days later or whatever they gave you some training and said now go knock on doors they would take me out and they try to make it fun like oh, I remember, it was snowing outside i'm out yeah. there knocking on the door for my first time nervous <laughs> and um my boss i remember he took a snowball through it from like so far away okay and middle of my speech, it hits the roof. And the lady looks around, shocked. I'm like, yeah. oh, was that a bird? I'm like, anyway, so this is, I'm like, there. So I handled pretty good, but I was like, this yeah. guy is ridiculous. He's wow. Like, so you started talking to customers just by knocking on doors and generating leads that way. Yeah, and I was confident about it. And for stuff. these like random marketing thing, like. Well, they take you in every single day for like okay. two hours mm. and they role play with you. Okay. Very uncomfortable. Okay. But it was, it was huge for me. Yeah. So it would be to the point where like, say this line to me. Okay. And he say say it word for word. Yeah. So I'd say it, and mm-hmm. of course I'd slip on something. Start mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. And it was like thirty people in the room. Mm-hmm. Start over. Oh wow. Literally like fifty times. Start over. Wow, that's intense. Yeah, I mean, I've had tons of sales experiences, young and old, where mm-hmm. they would tell me to start over and do it this way. That kind of got your career started in door to door sales, then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you did that job for a long time, or you were really hanging there for a while. Um. So I did it for a while, and then I moved over to another divis- a division. Okay. Um. But overall, those for those companies, like two and a half, three years of mm-hmm. door, just door knocking. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You, did you want to quit during that time? <laughs> like every day. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. But I got better at it. And the, yeah. the better I, it doesn't matter how good you get at something. Yeah. Door knocking is so hard. It, it still is. It's a, it's frustrating and stuff. But if yeah. you do it the right way, if you have the right camaraderie and okay. you have the competitive spirit and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, well, you also have to have like a very persistent, just sort of like mentality, right? Well, were you making some decent money doing it too? Not at all. Not at all. Oh my gosh. No, nah, it was, it was the whole, that's where the allure is that you can one day own your own company. And I seen it happen. They would tell you guys that? Yeah. So basically okay. you start off as the sales manager, uh, I'm sorry, as an associate just going out there and training. Okay. And then you build yourself to a rep where you start getting some interviews done and you start taking people out and training them yourself. Okay. Once you build a team, then you can get to an assistant manager level and mm-hmm. then they hand you the keys to another place. Okay. And then you start up there and okay. redo it all over again and just keep on growing. Okay. Okay. So. And you stay there for a couple of years? Yeah. I got to meet like the, the big wigs and they told me their stories. You know, hearing another person's story really helps. And uh, So were you kind of like struggling financially, financially even though you're working hard? Through the whole way. Through the whole really? way. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I mean. I can't and, believe you hung in there. Yeah. It, it was killing me. Like, but like we'd have like nor'easters come through mm-hmm. and people would quit that day and I would stay out in the field. And the only thing I tell myself is like. One day I'm going to own my business and yeah. Sarah will respect me for that. <laughs> oh, man. And like I'd come back and I'd sell everything. Yeah. And they would make a huge thing about like, you know, mm. we'll ring the bell, which is like a mm. symbol of that. So you had some recognition. Yeah. There were some good people. Like I, I tell you right now, like I wish I knew some of those people still because the yeah. people like survived it. They told you like you're not here to learn sales. Mm. You learn how to be a business owner okay. because all the hardships, they showed you every little aspect of the, the sale. And the you know obstacles you go through mm-hmm. it's sort of what the business owner goes through and the only yeah. way you can actually object to these things is knowing exactly the small details and how that went wrong for them so that job i mean going to the door and selling was one aspect of the job but then you also had to do some like um, customer service you probably had to know your numbers more or less you had to yep. do some management project management potentially i would think because i'm thinking of all the different things that go into like running a business right so in the beginning you're just doing door-to-door sales you're talking about the c principles like the small little things like making eye contact people say that all the time make eye yeah. contact and smile but yeah really getting into it and yeah. role-playing and understanding like i can sit there and tell you that if i keep my eye on you yeah. and i smile with you and i start moving my head you'll do the same thing i do yeah not if I tell you to do it, that yeah. I'm doing this, but yeah. just naturally. Absolutely. But as soon as I get through this, this pitch, I walk away from my eyes. Yeah. I let them, you know, maybe my confidence breaks down a little bit and I look away because I don't feel that I'm, I'm I feel like you're overpowering me a little bit, yes. maybe. Yeah, or maybe yeah, I feel like I'm being ridiculous by asking you these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh, that's when I that's when I lose that hypnotic like bind I have with you. But that little yeah. bit of eye contact and smiling yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I had to go home so many days and look in the mirror and look at my face and how it looks when I talk to someone. Okay. And just like, you know, being tired throughout the day or getting a hundred no's throughout the day, that puts pressure on you and you actually don't realize that you're like not your 100% yeah. talking to a customer. So you had to really practice in the mirror how you look and how you're... And during that time, I think you were telling me a little bit, like, is that when you were like traveling and like, you know, kind of struggling with... You're, so you're struggling financially the whole time during that job. Yeah. You're also hoping to like, you know, achieve this dream of having your own business, which isn't really happening, which kind of sucks. Yep. And then you're also traveling around and like sleeping in dingy areas or something like that. Or yeah, I mean, we did Sally offices where we go out to like, let's do a campaign in like New Hampshire. So we drive a couple hours out there. We get okay. a knot and we put like 10 people in that room and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like it's McDonald's drive throughs. And like, I would go out and like basically say, here's your maps. So I get the maps for everyone. Mm-hmm. If I had like, on uh, like let's say like 10 blocks i yeah. would go ahead and highlight each map saying here's your two streets okay and they'd have to go three times the first time is making the map like writing down all the house numbers mm-hmm. not get a few people that if you see your home and just mm-hmm. get a few of the nose way mm-hmm. and then on the third lap you've gotten rid of most of the nose mm-hmm. now you're getting the business the people that are coming home for 
with dual jobs. They're mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. You're catching them at that power hour. Yeah. And it's uh, really interesting because when you're t- explaining all this, it, it makes so much more sense that you were able to get from from when you started in roofing to where you've gotten now so quickly because that usually takes a long time to get to that point. I mean, I'd say at least five to eight years potentially to get to that. It's more the discipline of understanding that your, your sale comes at the end of the day, really. Yeah. And without having that, I mean, you can knock 10 houses and get 10 notes and you're like, this does not work. Yeah. And so you went, you did that for, but then you, from that first sales job, you jumped around from job to different jobs for a, pretty much a long time, right? Till you got, till you found the roofing business. Right. Yep. Okay. So, um, the door to door sales, I really hated, okay. but I learned a lot from, I okay. mean, when I came out to Colorado, there was another guy that offered door to door sales and I was trying to help my buddy out. He, yeah. I saw this guy struggle with work and stuff. I'm like, listen, I will get you a job. Yeah. It seems like any you can get anybody to do door to door sales if they, yeah. I mean, but they won't last necessarily. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, the it's uh it's just kind of a really unique model that I feel like it takes a special person to be able to do that. You know. Yeah, and really the only way to show it is to do it. So mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. when he took this job, I had to go with them. Mm. And I remember it was um, Murphy Construction Homes. Um, okay. I basically, you know. Bill was the one that was eager. I really want this job. I was like, kind of like, great, here I go again. Yeah. So I sit down. Because you hadn't done door to door for a while. You hated it so much. You were kind of happy to be out of that for a while. Do another, do another stuff. Right. We run through a quick list of what what you did from when that first door to door to like, till you met the roofing business. Yeah. So I've done Kirby vacuum cleaners. Okay. Um, That's door to door. That's door to door. Yeah. Okay. So I, I quit them after two weeks because the first week they did a contest. They said, if yeah. you can sell six vacuums, I'll give you a thousand dollars. I sold seven the first week. No thousand dollars. <laughs> they're like, well, if I give you the thousand dollars, you'll quit. I'm like, if you don't give me the thousand, I'll quit. Yeah. So they yeah. said, I'll pay you half now and half next week. Okay. And then the next week came and by this point they asked me to start training their own guys. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm the new guy here. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, by the end of the next week, they're like, well, we're going to pay you the next half over the next eight weeks. Oh gosh. So I left yeah. there. I was okay. like, okay, I'm sure it's great. I mean, it was not that it was hard. It was just, yeah. I mean, it was I've heard winter- people making money. I, I have seen it sort of be a stepping stone for most people though. It was, it was, I, based on my experience and my discipline, mm-hmm. I, I kept with it. Cause if I was new, I would quit. Mm-hmm. I had no car mm-hmm. and I went out there with vacuum cleaners. I got mm-hmm. dropped off vacuums <laughs> and by the end of the day, I'm like trudging along yeah. in the snow with yeah. three old vacuums. Oh my gosh. Turns out there was people that bought it last year. I got them to trade in their old for okay. the new. Okay. Yeah. And pay me like almost full price. Wow. So it was impressive. And I was yeah. like, wow, this really works. Yeah. But at the same time, my, I was money motivated. And what was the time. next one after that? God, so jumping from there, I went to the casinos. Okay, you were a, de- a dealer for a while. Yep. So okay. went to Mohegan Sun. Oh, Foxwoods. I went to school for them. It was ten weeks. Okay. Um, four hours a day. Okay. Five days a week. And okay. then when I finally got into that, it was like it was kind of weird that you just get put into a sea of people and you just yeah. start dealing cards. Well, my mom's been a dealer for yeah probably four coming up on 40 years i think 40 yeah. 40 oh yeah 40. So, oh god yeah, that's crazy yeah. so then from dealer then what did you do after that so i went to yeah i went to Mohegan sun dealt high limit blackjack dealers and one of my mentors 
he was like, I'm out of this business. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been in it for a long time. He goes, mm-hmm. Will, I'm just a number here. You see that guy right there? He's been dealing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. He goes, I just had back surgery, mm-hmm. and I might get fired because I'm mm-hmm. going to point out. Mm-hmm. I'm not a human mm-hmm. being here. I'm just yeah. a number. Yeah, that's how it is a lot of times. And, yeah. And so uh, I was like, geez, I took that into consideration. Yeah. And I, I did make good money in the casinos. Yeah. At one point, I was making like $63 an hour, but I was okay. like, man, I see the next 20, 30 years, and this is it. Yeah. This is as good it as is. it gets. It's a very dead end, yeah. So um, that, it was hard to leave that because mm-hmm. um, in the – in the casino business, I was in like two or three different times, and the mm-hmm. final time is when I was making that money, and mm-hmm. that's when I decided I had to go. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I did uh, direct- after casino. Yeah, what happened there? Where, where'd you go there? So after the casino, I was looking for work. Um, I finally got into direct buy, and this is kind of okay. like skipping over a few little small jobs here and there. Okay, I'm sorry, uh, not not direct buy. Um, uh, more currently, it was. Uh, Time Warner Cable. Okay, that's, that's, yeah, that merged that's over. right. Okay, yeah, and uh, that, that kind of skips over a lot of like the little yeah. small jobs. But yeah, I'll, absolutely. This is kind of. I think like, we gotta get the. Imp- I got. I, I felt like I got the impression you you did that first job, right? You know that the, the sales with well, the insurance and the insa- the sales learned a lot about sales, learned a lot about door to door. I mean, a lot like some kind of crazy psychological stuff, even. Yeah. And then from there, you you did the the casino thing, and then you kind of jumped around a whole lot of different things. So you kind of were trying to find your way. It seems like at that point. Yeah, I mean, there was so many times when I I were, I mean, I work hard mm-hmm. and you, you don't always win. Just like they yeah. tell you, like McDonald's doesn't always ring their bell. They don't yeah. make their goals every single day. Yeah, but they do pretty good consistently. That's really hard, man. That really, uh, when you're when you're working really hard, you're not winning. You know, and you know, it's even harder if you have a girlfriend where you're trying to like you're mentally yeah. trying to work your hardest to get achieve something. Yeah, and when it finally doesn't work out, you're like, oh my god. Are you like, talking about Amanda? No, this is Sarah back in the oh, day. Oh, still with Sarah back. Yeah. So what well, well, introduced sorry. us to meeting Amanda? Yeah, so Amanda, Amanda was uh, after Sarah. I was like kind of heartbroken. Two years go by. I'm still in Connecticut. Yeah, and um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm probably confusing the timelines here. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but that's just me. I jump around. Um, yeah, but yeah. So I went out to Colorado on vacation. Okay, and I met Amanda. Okay, and. Uh, it was only for a week, but I was out to see my brother. Okay. I brought a friend, Scott, with us. Yeah. And I you know, came back, and she was great. We, I came back to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Time went by and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was still working. But mm-hmm. my brother, the way you asked me before how I ended up in Colorado, my brother mm-hmm. said, I'm going through the force. Mm-hmm. My credit cards are through the roof. Can you come out here and help me? Okay. So I was like, yeah, I'll do three months. Because I just I was at Direct Buy over there, and mm-hmm. I just got promoted to a, a really high position there where mm-hmm. it was going to be like eighty, ninety thousand 90000 a year. Okay. And I was like... Tony's worst time, worst time. Tony, and, the one that I know. Yeah, my, okay. it was my brother Tony. Um, oh, okay, not, different not Tony. Tony. No. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, even my boss is like, "You've been asking for this for a while now. You yeah. got it. Yeah. Is it money? Do we need to pay you more money? Just tell me what it is." Yeah. And I was like, "No, it's just my family. I don't want to regret." Okay. So, okay. when I was getting ready to come out, he's like, "Hey, Will, you won't believe this. I just ran into that girl you met a long time ago, okay. Amanda. Yeah. And guess who she's asking about." Hmm. So I was like, that's, hmm. that's ironic. I go coming yeah. out here and she just ran, runs into you. But yeah, so it was kind of like that. And I was like, okay. maybe God sent her to me. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, there's something was there for sure. Yeah. So, cause you guys ended up having a, a child, your daughter. Yeah. Right. My daughter and son. Yes. What's your daughter's name again? So I have three kids. One is Trinity. She okay. lives in Connecticut. Still. Okay. Right. She's the okay. oldest. Okay. Bella's the middle child. Yeah. She was with Amanda okay. and also Sergio. Okay, all right. Yeah. So you had um, you had uh, your first daughter. What was her name again? 
Trinity. Trinity. She yeah. lives in Connecticut. Yep. And you had her with uh, a, a previous relationship. Yeah. Wasn't yep. Sarah. It was not Sarah. Okay. All right. So it's previously didn't work out. You still obviously have her. And then, then you have the, your two kids that are here in, in Colorado Springs. Yep. And, and then you, uh, and then obviously you have Amanda. So you, um, so you're kind of like, let's kind of get back to you were just kind of, you've been, you were kind of finding your way. Now you're with Amanda. Yep. You guys move in together. I'm assuming, right. You guys, you know, fall in love, all that stuff. Yeah. It was, it was, it was kind of a weird situation because I was coming out of my relationship. She was coming out of hers. Mm-hmm. And I remember I moved here to Colorado. It was January 27th, 2007. Okay. And uh, the first year was a little rough with us and stuff. That's kind of crazy. You remember that date? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I, I January twenty seventh. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I think it was like kind of because uh, when I was flying through the airplane, I was yeah. looking down like there's no water. I can't see any like lakes yeah. or anything. Yeah. And then I heard the story that some like cows were just buried alive in snow, hmm. and I was like, where am I moving to? Like, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah, that's uh, right in the middle of the winter. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a uh, it was some big storm. So obviously, okay. living here now, I realize that's not typical. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was my first year coming in. Okay. So uh, I didn't really know Colorado too well. I had my brother who was showing me some people and Amanda. It's two different worlds. Yeah. Um, so the first year was me getting acquainted to Colorado, having some fun. Yeah. And I don't know how serious of a boyfriend I was at that point. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we ended up together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's been almost a little over 11 years now. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Yeah. And you had your first child and she found, you know, that was obviously a big deal. Yeah. Um, you guys bought a house together. Yeah. I mean, to tell you the story with Amanda, she's great because when I first started off, mm-hmm. I had no car, mm-hmm. no real job. I was helping out bartending. I mm-hmm. knew I had potential. I was kind of like more like probably a little big on myself when mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she was like, like... you thought highly of yourself? Highly of myself. But you weren't really in a, in a position yeah. to really think that way. Yeah. Like <laughs> I knew I I always knew my potential. Yeah. But when you yeah. don't have a car, you don't have a, a real job and stuff. Yeah. And you're just, yeah. You're, you're just settling for like the moment. Yeah. Um, it's hard for people to see past that. And Amanda Definitely. was, you yeah. know, she had her, she had her condo. She had her car paid for. Wow. She's really good financially with herself. She seems very like a stable person. She you is. Know? Yeah. yeah. She's very much a rock. But she was like that when you guys first met. Yep. Okay. She, she's a little structured. I mean, I, I remember she's uh, like, yeah. let's go out to eat. <laughs> yeah. And then after a full year of dating, she sent me a bill. <laughs> These are all the times <laughs> I paid for years. That's hilarious. Yeah. She was, uh, wow. Okay. And then you guys, uh, so, so you guys, she sold the condo and you bought a house. No, still have the condo today. She oh, rents nice. it out. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. So, yeah. and then she, you guys, you know, have your house together and, and everything. Okay. Well, let's get into high performance. Cause that was when you first got into the roofing business. Right. So high performance, I was doing a door knock and there was their business was well but let's back up a little bit you're living at home right you're living at your at your house with amanda you've got your two kids your sergio's must be like a year old at that point no this is before high performance was before sergio even so there was two times i was at high performance oh okay I know so, that. so high performance when i first got into it um was way back in the day i was trying to get bill in there and they had this their like Basically, we're talking five years ago, six years ago? Probably something like that. Oh, okay. And they did paint, they did roof. But like okay. at that time, I was like, no one wants to buy a roof. Why would yeah, I ever do that? Get the mic a little bit like right up there. Yeah, yeah so like that. Nobody wants to buy a roof, I was thinking. So yeah. not going to do that. Okay. So I kind of like went after the paint and I killed okay. it. I got to okay. the point, like people would go and like just keep walking and walking and walking. Door through, to door. Yeah, through neighborhoods. Like okay. just going through crazy amount of neighborhoods. Okay. Because they- Selling paint jobs. Yeah, because okay. the, the real job was, uh, the grass is always greener on the next neighborhood. Like mm-hmm. this is not working here. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. 
So I get to the point where like, well, sometimes you really do just need to change the scenery. You know? Motivation wise, but like, yeah. so I was like, I was the guy that went out there and I'd stick to one neighborhood. I'd mm-hmm. go through it three times mm-hmm. and I'd get two to three paint jobs. You would saturate the heck out of that neighborhood. Yep. And okay. I, I used the Jones effect. Okay. I would do all sorts of techniques okay. to get people on it. <laughs> I've heard of the Jones effect. The Jones effect is. Oh, like the Joneses? Like your Joneses has got a paint job. Now you need one too. Right. So, okay, I ta- yeah. so if I got a neighbor that said no to me, mm-hmm. I would say, hey, no, no problem at all. By the way, what was your name? Mike, Mike, I'm Will. It's great to meet you. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the the, the, the street, mm-hmm. I'd have 10 people that said no to me and that one person that said yes, mm-hmm. I would just say all the names I talked to mm-hmm. and end it with the name that said yes. So, Well, okay, just that little thing though, I really want to, because you went through 10 people, not, nine of them saying no and one of them saying yes. Yeah. Those nine no's were not easy to go through. Because you're trying to pitch them, you're trying to sell them, and they just keep saying no. Some are some are like no, real harsh. Yeah, and I feel like the majority of people out there will quit after maybe like the second or the third. They would, they would. You know, going after that many, hitting the ninth one, and still losing, and waiting till you get that tenth. I mean, what was it? What was your mind going through to make you go through like all the nine before you got the ten? By this point, my belief system is so strong with it. Like okay. I already know I'm gonna win. What was the belief system? It's just that I've seen the law of average take place. Okay. I can tell you so many times where mm-hmm. it's really hard when you go seven hours with mm-hmm. all no's okay. and you get all of them at the last hour. Okay. But I've done it so many times yeah. that I just know it's there. So the belief system is that you know you're going to win. Yep. And I use all the tools I have every time. So yeah, there's not a Because doubt. you had already gone through so many times of doing it and winning yeah. and going through long times of not winning and then winning at the end yep. that you knew that like, I know if I just keep going, I'm going to win. Yeah. And that's really important. I think that's really important. Man. Sometimes it's you have huge. to sit there and say to yourself, you know what? I could be at a desk doing something I really hate right now. Yeah. I am out here with no boss. I'm my own boss. Yeah. I'm, I can take my lunch break when I want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's yeah, really up to me. True. Like, it's like true. it's perspective. Sales is perspective. Yeah. Sales isn't trying to like, a lot of people get the idea when they come to sales that they're trying to swindle someone. Yeah. Like, I want you to do this and you make up some lie or something like that. Well, you were just, you were actually doing a very, you know, honest, straightforward service, giving people a new paint job on their home. I mean, yeah, for sales, we all need that. You know, everybody needs that on their house. You could do sales two different ways. You can do it the way people perceive it, mm-hmm. that swindling way and stuff, mm-hmm. or you can just have perspective. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say no to you mm-hmm. because they don't have perspective, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Like, you know, and also it's uh, the law of average is not that. There are no, always, there are no, not mm-hmm. today. Like, for instance, if you came to my door and I was playing video games, yeah. I'd be a no. Okay. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, yeah. why are you here knocking my door? Yeah. And if you showed up the other day, I yeah. might be like, hey, you know, I was just thinking about it. I could have food cooking. I have to get the kids. Yeah. There's so many reasons why I could be a no at that door. Absolutely. You can't, yeah. you, so so you're, you're thinking, you're, you're, part of your belief system is if they say no, that's okay. It just means no, maybe not right now. Yeah. No, really, could just be like maybe, really. The right. in your mind, it's either a maybe. A no is not really even a no to you. To you, to no is maybe or yes. Actually, a no could be yes later. Here's an example. I went to a lady's house, knocked on the door. She was a hard no. She was yeah. mad at me. Okay. I was kind of like in a in a windy area where there's tons of territory. Mm-hmm. I came back. I didn't mark my territory properly the first day, mm-hmm. which is important because you don't want to go back to make them upset. Yeah. But I went to the lady's house again the next day, mm-hmm. not knowing what house I was at. She didn't recognize me from the day before. She was a yes. Yeah. I'm terrible marking out uh, marking out my territory, but I'm, uh, I know there's like software out there. Like we're, we're using Spotio, mm-hmm. right? You're, uh, that's still working out pretty well for you. It's great. It's really helpful. I, I got used to doing the paper. Okay. 
and that so I have a way to do it where I can market sim, create symbols yeah, to show that's this old is, school yeah yeah and definitely. it was it was effective but I could yeah. I would go through and the the whole point with that was that I would guarantee to the client yeah we're going to talk to ninety nine percent of the population all yeah. within five miles okay so and I hand them the paperwork showing mm-hmm. these are all the people I went to these yeah. are all the houses I missed. Mm-hmm. And I can go back and work, rework that territory. Yeah. So you did the paint jobs, but then you got out of the paint jobs. Yeah. So I did the paint jobs, doing really good. Yeah. I sold one roof, coincidentally, at did the you? end. A insurance job? And I really didn't do that. I just, kind of like, hey, the guy wants a roof inspection. The guy went up there and did it and kind of showed me it. So your, your kind of like manager went and sold the, or did the inspection. Right. I was you weren't just, really knowing what was going on with roofing. No, I just, okay. nothing else. You almost didn't really care about roofing. Cause no. it was so, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, but yeah, eventually I went to Time Warner Cable. <laughs> yeah. And okay. I felt like I was in a career job and stuff. Why'd you change from the paint jobs to Time Warner Cable? Well, the the paint job, I, I never really liked in the first spot. It was okay. just, it was just a means to an end and stuff. And, okay. you know, I really, at that point I didn't feel, I mean, I did also oil changes. You wanted to quit bartending. You just needed a better, you wanted a better job, make a little more money. Yeah. I was one of those guys that's still like, you know, there's a lot of things I want to do in life. Yeah. I want to be able to travel. I want my kids to have yeah. like the best schools and stuff. Okay. And I never saw that happening. Yeah. And so everyone's like, you know, you're really good at this, really good at that and stuff. Like you can do anything. My cousin mm-hmm. said to me a long time ago, you know why people get mad at you, Will? Mm-hmm. It's because you have the most potential out of all of us and mm-hmm. you don't do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of the mm-hmm. fact that I always jump ship and go somewhere else. Yeah, that's tough to hear. <laughs> so, so then you're in the springs, you're working Time Warner, and then we get a, you get a hailstorm over in the springs. Yeah. So at this point, I'm a Time Warner cable, mm-hmm. and there's restructuring going on. I think Charter's trying to take over. There's mergers happening, mm-hmm. and they're changing the the compensation plan. Mm. And I can see the numbers and I'm reading right through. I'm like, this, yeah. you know, when something's meant to grow, it goes in this direction. When something's meant to die, it goes in this direction. Yeah. And this, this right here is mm-hmm. dependent on people mm-hmm. leaving. Mm-hmm. It, and I don't want to okay. get into it too much, but yeah. I yeah. can see it wasn't a good plan. And I okay. go to the managers. The managers were in a spot where they couldn't really say. It's a huge corporation. I yeah. Mean, they're like, yeah. It, it is what it is. Kind of. Yeah. And I was just yeah. frustrated. Yeah. So I woke up one morning after a while of being at Time Warner Cable and I was okay. one of the top producers, but okay. the pay wasn't there. Yeah. So I, I saw Facebook and one of my friends is holding a hailstone. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, look at this. I'm like, is that real? I sent her a private yeah. message. Is that real? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I hit my car this morning and stuff. And oh, this wow. is like not too far away from me. So. Because this is 2016 at this point. Yeah. Okay. So I was fed up. I told Amanda. I just called Time Warner Cable. I quit. Okay. She's like, she's like not happy. Well, I'm laughing because I kind of gotten to know Amanda a little bit, and, oh, yeah, and I could see. see her just being like, "What oh, the heck? My no, God. go back to your job. Like, like you're out of your mind." And we have a house. We have house payments and stuff. Like that. Yeah, I yeah. quit. You do have Sergio at this time. No, not Sergio at this time. Okay, D- okay. Bella. just have Bella. Yep. Okay, she's not even pregnant with Sergio yet. Nope. Okay, all right. No. So, um, I go down to uh that friend's house mm-hmm. and I see the hail damage. Okay. So I don't have a job yet with yeah. that knowing yet. Yeah. I just start knocking on doors. <laughs> you didn't, you weren't signed up with a construction company. Nothing. Nothing. I just started knocking on what, doors. What did you, uh, what did you tell them? Hey, we're in the area. We're just doing free inspections. <laughs> oh like my that kind gosh. Of stuff. That's hilarious. I had like nine people lined up. <laughs> okay. So I, I, while I'm on the roof, I'm like, realize I'm getting ahead of myself here. You had generated about nine leads at, at that point. Nine inspections. Yeah. Wow. So I call up uh, Jim Lancaster at high performance construction. I'm mm. like, Jim, it's Will. And he's like, Will, how's it going? He's like the only person that you kind of knew enough I to know, say, yeah. can you hire? I mean, I know you sell roofing. Let's get this done. Yep. Okay. 
So, and my buddy Adams, I knew he was in the roofing before. I oh, just, yeah. It just didn't click. I just knew, yeah. I worked for Jim. I knew Jim. Yeah. So Jim was just excited uh-huh. that, to have me back because he thought I was the best canvasser he's ever seen. Yeah. So he comes out and he gets on, on the, one of the roofs mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, this is hail damage. Yep, yep, sure. Is my, he an older guy? Older guy. Like in the 60s? Um. Yeah, probably. I, 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 I picture like a, I picture like an older guy with like a kind of a, a, a beat up uh, baseball cap and like wearing an old flannel. And like, you're, you're not, so, is that kind of with a, with a with a kind of a raggedy beard? Like, is that what what he would look like? I told Jim I go huge for Halloween. Dress up as this the guy from Jaws, the guy that owned the boat. <laughs> okay, like he looks just like just that guy. like that really. Yeah. Okay, old school. Yeah, and Jim's great. So Jim's on yeah. there, and by the third or fourth roof, he's like. Looking around, there's like no one in the neighborhood. He's like, "Yeah, that's crazy. This is a gold mine." Well, I remember when that happened. Yeah, because yeah. I went down there too. We had a, yeah. a guy named Randy, yeah. going bananas out there. I remember being there and just being I, like, people were like approaching me, like they were practically pulling my arm, saying, "Come look at my roof," you know, because yeah. I had my truck and you know, I was obviously a roofing guy, mm-hmm. and there was nobody, not a roofer in sight. Yeah, and this is th- during the time Adam was like at Home Improvement. Okay. So I called Adam like, "Hey, you got to jump out of this. There's roofs damaged everywhere." And I think you were talking about the Adam the same that time. I know, the Adam that R- worked R- for Ram. us. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, you got him. I think you guys got him, and I told him to come out and just. We had got we. He started working with us about a year before that. Oh yeah. Yeah, and but he wasn't in 2016. He wasn't really. He was kind of. Um, he wasn't really full on selling. Right. And so, but then that storm hit, and yeah. then he went bananas. Yeah, I I kept on teasing every day, like, "Hey, here's a picture of the house," and I sent him a lead saying, "Hey." Yeah. Just as a friend. He sold a lot of jobs, too. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So he, um, and I remember that when that happened, too, he's told me a little bit about you. Yep. And he was just kind of like, we should get Will, this guy Will that I know, you know. And he um, he was just, I, and I basically said, like, yeah, we, we, like, we have to get Will. Like, we have to recruit him. We got to figure it out how to do it, you know. And, uh, and he was just telling me you were going like just, I don't know, 50 jobs in like two weeks or something like that, a week. I don't know. Some insane amount of numbers. I was still like nine a day or something like that. Nine a day. You know, and I, I know Jim, because he's not a huge <laughs> oh, com- company, crazy. but he was like, we'll slow down. Like, okay. So like what yeah. I would do is like once I got to six leads. Yeah. And everyone was saying yes to me. So like mm-hmm. six houses next to each other. Mm-hmm. Boom. Every yeah. single one of them. Yeah. So I would go back to Jim. And I try mm-hmm. to make like I try to use some of my sales techniques mm-hmm. uh, right in front of the customer. Jones effect, saying like, "Hey okay. Jim, I'm gonna put the ladder. Are you done with the inspection? Great. I'm gonna put the ladder on the next house so you can finish up with her. Okay. Mary's gonna be ready for you next and stuff." So okay. I would say this right in front of the customer, so they would show that everyone's doing this. Yeah. And Jim's the the real guy. And yeah. And I yeah. hear little bits of what Jim was saying. He's I bet he's very trustworthy, kind of like looking even an older guy like that on a roof. People right. would be like, well, he knows what he's doing. He's you the know? owner. He's yeah. that pitch and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's huge. And like little small things, like you don't have to know everything, but he would tell yeah. you about like colors. You know, these are the colors you want to use. Yeah. Uh, and I picked up on the, all the small things. He was very detailed. I mean, you didn't even know what drip edge was. You didn't really know what. Oh no. You didn't even know what like a three tab and a and a and a and a like a lifetime roof really was no so jim jim got really mad at me because i would start selling the roof <laughs> yeah before he got there he's like don't sell yeah and then i started signing contracts and he's like don't sign contracts you don't know yeah. what, how bad this can be <laughs> so i was going home and i'd watch videos and i look up the ones that had the most likes yeah and i would just basically watch every subject on how to build a roof mm. and then i just correlate back and forth to see what's missing from this video to that mm-hmm. so i can finally get like a solid grasp you started it. training yourself really yeah, just by going to YouTube. Yep, just YouTube mm, wow. all the time. You didn't have a uh, somebody above you telling you know um, telling you, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. 
Jim, um, so when I get back to the office, the way I got trained is Jim would be like, okay, you fill this paperwork out. It looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. But this right here is not done. This Go back to the homeowner. So I mm-hmm. sometimes go back to the homeowner mm-hmm. four times in a day yeah, because I forgot an initial or yeah. forgot to put this, yeah. fill this That's out properly. Good. Yeah, And you get to the point of doing that mistake. It, like, yeah. You hate it so much that I got yeah. to the point where I could fill out the whole contract perfect and ready for production in half an hour of meeting him. The thing is, like, I, I kind of want to emphasize a little point here, man. You probably totally agree with this, is that, you know, I, I've recruited a lot of people over the years, and I've trained a lot of people over the years, and I've seen people come and go. I've seen people stick with it. And I think there's a certain character traits of the people who make it, and one of them is that they take it upon themselves to be successful, and they really don't need me or anybody else above them to tell them how to do it. And, uh, and so, and I've met people who, and those guys become successful. It doesn't matter like what kind of training there is or what kind of development there is. Mm -hmm. It could be like pretty much non-existent training. They're going to make it happen because I think like winners will find a way to win, you know? And so the people who have not been successful, they come in it and they leave and they, you know, they do something else. A lot of it is because a lot of it is blame that like, I didn't train them well enough. You didn't train them well enough. And you know, whoever is above them didn't train them well enough. And it turns into that you know right and i'm not saying to minimize like training and development it's huge it's really important right. you know and we've invested a lot of money personally you and i into training and development you know and we've been a lot of time and energy and blood sweat and tears and all that so i mean i think we've we've done it but i think it kind of comes down to like that person who's being trained or getting into the business has to take responsibility and has to make it happen and has to figure out a way to win and that's the that's the belief system that you that you had Right. And that's a, I, I agree with you. I see a lot of people in that. And I, I think to myself, you're still in corporate America right now. You're yeah. still wondering, why was your lunch break 10 minutes short? Yeah. And it's like, go do whatever you want. You're your yeah. own boss here. But yeah, don't blame it on anyone. Like, I've had people ask me questions. And then I found this really cool app. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember exactly what it is now. But mm-hmm. basically, the way it works is you can type in a Google question. Yeah. And send it back to them. And basically, <laughs> on their phone, it'll show the Google screen. Yeah. It shows you typing in the question. Yeah. And it shows moving the cursor over to the go. Yeah. And then the answer populates. So yeah, it basically, sho- funny. It basically yeah. showed them, like, go ahead and Google it yourself. You'll get mm-hmm. the answer. It's all yeah. right there. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's pretty funny. But um, so you took it upon yourself. I mean, you didn't even have a company you were with, and you are already selling no business cards. No. You weren't asking your manager for business cards, right? No. Nope. <laughs> I kind of say that a little resentment. I get guys asking me all the time, where are my business cards? I know. Can I get a special badge that says I'm a, I'm a project manager? And I just kind of like, you know, um, so I, I mean, I ordered them, obviously. But like, still, it's kind of like, just don't... That's your, your, your success and you're not being successful is not based on your business cards. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so you did that for a while. You kind of, yeah, I mean, it was hard cause I, I can't, uh, so in the beginning, you know, Jim told me what he went through mm-hmm. and this is the only reason why I never got mad at Jim mm-hmm. afterwards, mm-hmm. um, was the pay. Okay. Cause this is, I truly believe this is how Jim got into the business. This is what someone did to Jim. As far as like the small percentages, the small percentages. Okay. I didn't realize what people were really making out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, coming home at night, Amanda's like, Hey, we got bills coming up. Like it's done a workout, Amanda. Well, the thing is, well, let's just touch on that. Cause entry level is kind of small percentages. Yeah. I feel like it's, that's across the board. So, I mean, I feel like if there's people who kind of want to get in the business and want to go for the big first percentage right away, that is kind of unrealistic and it's really not fair because that's part of the training is you, you start out with a small percentage because we're going to giving you some training, investing, you're going to screw things up left and right. So we have right. to get compensated for that. 
And so I feel like the small percentage across the board kind of, you kind of all start, I started out with a small percentage. Everybody kind of starts out that way. Right. And it depends on how quickly you learn and how quickly you can, you know, um, get past some of the dependence on, you know, the trainer or the, or the company. And once you're kind of like doing it all on your own, I mean, you can start, um, it gets to the point where the company has to offer you a larger percentage because they don't want to lose you. Right. You know, right. That's kind of where, but with your situation, they didn't even really want to offer you a higher percentage, right? I didn't know there was a higher percentage. Okay. So I sold 70 roofs and I made like $25,000 and I thought, yeah, I did that in about two months. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it wasn't until afterwards I was like, wait, how much more money can I make in this? Yeah. So, but you know, you started talking to Adam, started talking to Adam. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, I w- it wasn't until I went to the baseball game. You guys actually. Uh, well, back then, but just, you know, I was already telling Adam, like, what, how to pitch you and like how to, what kind of percentages we could, he could discuss with you and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I was just kind of like coaching Adam and letting him know, like, hey, look, you need to say this to this guy. And every time you see him, like, tell this guy this and that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he w- and hopefully he was, it sounds like he was doing that to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, the, to be honest with you, like, um, I was just grateful for Jim for getting me the position yeah. and letting it take me on. So yeah. it was a good opportunity. So for me, it was more loyalty. I can't screw someone over. Gotcha. I have to finish the end. So gotcha. even, yeah. even when I knew, when, after I met with you guys yeah. and was signed up with you guys, I still wouldn't go and do anything out with you until I finished everything. Because I would have, yeah. I would have ruined that guy if I put him with seventy jobs and like manage yeah. it all. You're done. Well, it was, but you were kind of getting paid like a front end thing, anyways. They were kind of just paying you to turn in the contract for the most part, so you could kind of wrap it up fairly quickly as far as that goes, right? Um, I think so. It was like. Like two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars per yeah. job. Well, I mean, just not to get too much wrapped in the details, but basically, you sold a shitload of jobs. Yeah, excuse my but French, I had, but I had didn't a, make a shitload of money. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't just sales though. Like I had to go do the roof measures. Okay, we didn't have Eagle View. Okay, um, yeah. I had to go pick out the colors of the customer. Yeah, I had to go and measure all the gutters and oh, I had to wow. do. So it was like every part of the job I had to know. Yeah, and, yeah, and turn into them. Yeah. So the kind of just to get, give some listeners a little bit of background is like the way our business kind of works is there's salesmen who do like cradle to grave. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. So you start out, you get you generate the lead and you finish it all the way to the last pickup. You get a paid a higher percentage for that. And then there's salesmen who yeah. just generate the contract and they sign the people up. They kind of turn that contract into the office and the production team kind of takes it over and you get a smaller percentage for that. But you can also you don't have to get bogged down all the details of the project management. Right. So it sounds like you were a cradle to grave guy. Um, and but you were kind of still, you know, that you still needed a lot of help. So you got a lower percentage. Yeah, I got pick. I picked up the first check and the second check. So actually, to answer your question, I got paid after it was all completed. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So OK. Was, OK. And like it was like. Yeah. I, he kind of wanted me to know everything. Like, hey, yeah. they gave you this much money for fence. Well, you can't do this much for fence. Yeah. But he didn't know how to do supplements at the time. Oh, wow. So it was wow. like, how do we get the customer to pay? We paid, got the customer to pay out of pocket for a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's such a huge part of business is supplements. Yeah. You know? um, so then you, uh, so then like pretty soon after that, we, uh, you were there with their, I want to say like maybe six months selling roofs. Yeah, it was something months. like maybe like uh, four or five months, something like that. Yeah, and then we—that's when we had lunch together. Yeah, Adam finally got you over to have yep. lunch with me, mm-hmm. and then so I went in and um, I remember telling you the biggest thing that kind of sticks out was that I just wanted you to kind of realize like this is a life-changing opportunity, right? You know, especially right now with another fresh storm, because mm-hmm. even six months is kind of a fresh storm to me. You know, um, so. 
I really, and but I also kind of knew you didn't know me, you know, and you didn't really like, you know, you may not, uh, I, I didn't have a whole lot of credibility and stuff. So um, this whole life-changing opportunity, I feel like you, you I, I knew you were a little older. You probably had heard it before, you know? So there's a part of me that I just wanted to, I didn't really care though. I really wanted you to believe it. And and I, I think I might've even told you a little bit about my, my Hawaii trip that I took and how that changed my life and, mm-hmm. and everything. And so, but I'm curious, like what was going on through your mind when we met that day? So we had lunch. I'm telling you about the life-changing opportunity. Did you kind of think I was full of crap or did you kind of believe me? No, um, it was more the fact that I think I was with Adam and I've heard so many things to that point. Okay. I was just more excited to like know that I'm going another direction. Part of me was like, good God, I just missed a whole storm based okay. on that last company. Yeah. And is so it going to happen again? Because Adam had already told you quite a bit of how much more money you could be making. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you were already pretty much. I was like, like, I think you were kind of bummed out. So the next storm, I was like thinking like, oh my God, a hundred and something thousand I could have had. Yeah. I could have paid. I could be debt free right now. I could like. That's really hard. It was sitting there the whole time. Like I wasted it on gym. I was like a little resentful, but at the same time, I kept on telling myself, you know what? Yeah. Jim went through that when he was that age. Yeah. Someone that it wasn't that he was just being greedy. This is the train that he put someone through. So I was like, okay. How did you overcome being bummed out? Just kept on looking for the next storm kept okay. on, just kept waiting for just it. kept looking at the bright side stayed positive for the yeah. most part yeah didn't let it like uh drag you down and keep you out of bed and st- or to keep you in bed and stuff like that yeah i mean for the most part the you know i bought a new truck oh that's and right yeah I, and um, with amanda there like supporting she, uh, she would tell me like hey you know don't be stuck with bills don't be, so i basically took all my money i made and mm-hmm. just put it into the truck okay i paid the thing off in eight months that's huge was that a big motivator to have a nice truck yeah, I mean, within to be able to pay thirty thousand dollars off in eight months yeah. and pay your bills too, Dang, that's huge. So she was yeah, like, "I gave it to, I give you credit like this. I've never been able to do that. Like this is amazing." Yeah, so, I think it's important to have a nice truck. Do you do you agree? Yeah, I mean, having you know in the life and everything, having the proper tools to succeed is yeah, is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's a lot of guys out there who kind of don't really see the purpose of having a nice truck. You know, they kind of just see, well, I can sell out of my car. I can sell, you know, and you can, I mean, I sold out of my 1991 Volvo for a long time and then yeah. I sold out of my Kia soul for a long time. And then I finally, you know, got the truck and I wish I would have got it a long time be- way before that. You can do anything. Nothing can stop you if yeah. you just have the right perspective. Yep. But, um, having the truck, I, I, found myself not having to answer the question like well where do you put the ladder <laughs> every time i pull up i was like okay people are starting to wonder what's going yeah, on yeah yeah well you look professional it is the right tool right so um so then you um so we we kind of talked and then you you kind of did i remember wanting to finish up what you had you, you kind of talked yep. about that and i totally respected that and i was like yeah finish it up and then you come come on board with us and then I was still kind of trying to, how do you like court you in a way, like kind of trying mm-hmm. to recruit you into our company because I, I knew you weren't like completely in yet. You were still kind of working with them, right? And I invited you to the baseball game because yeah. we got a, we, a company got a suite at the um, Rockies game, yeah. And we uh, I invited you to come. It was like full on. It was kind of sort of lavish, really. You know, yeah. a nice suite on the second level, fully. It was great. I, I want I, you know part honestly. What I I want. I mean, I wanted everybody to enjoy it, but part of me was kind of I wanted you to see. Welcome to your new lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I really wanted you to see that. That's when, that's when you guys had me. Cause I brought yeah. my daughter Bella Yeah, and, uh, it was a great experience for her. It was a great experience for me. Um, so when we got there, I know my daughter's never been to a baseball game to be mm-hmm. at the uh, box seats. Yeah. She, she would get mad at me. She's like, daddy, stop talking business. I'm like, I have to, I don't know anyone here. <laughs> you kind of did. We were yeah. just, we, we were having fun, like talking and stuff. That's really what we, I use it for is just to kind of hang out, talk to guys, get to know them a little bit better, hardly yep. watch the game, you know? 
Yeah. Until that point, I really didn't know too much about like what the pay would be like still. I just knew that there was opportunity here. I heard mm-hmm. good things from Adam and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of like, wow, there's a full family of people here. Like they have uh, all these different roofers. They have all these mm-hmm. different, uh, like all the tradesmen are here. Yep. So it's it's kind of a, a big family. And I was a little overwhelmed. Yeah. And uh, talking to Adam you Nielsen. You seeing that with where you were before. No, it's just me and Jim. That's yeah. it. And okay. I, and um, he brought his son in. And like, that was another thing too. Like mm-hmm. I would have to train his son. Yeah. And, the little bit of money I, I made, I'd have mm. to give him a portion of my commission yeah. to him. That's rough. And he was like, I'm like, why am I training him? I'm doing all the work still <laughs> um, and paying yeah. for it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it was a little rough. So when I talked to Adam Nielsen, he says, well, how many roofs did you do? And I was like, oh, I did 70 in about a month. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 70 roofs? He's like, how much did you make? I'm like, 25, 30 in that range. He's like, mm-hmm. 250, 300,000? I'm like, no, $1,000, he, yeah. he, His mouth like opened and started like his lips started moving yeah. and it looked like he's ready to cry. Yeah. And that's wow. when you came over like, well, Will was with the company that didn't treat him so well and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. he's like, dude, I sold like 30 something rooms. I made a hundred grand. I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that sounds like no way. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And then I had to go home and tell Amanda and she was yeah. like, she, yeah. it wasn't that she bleed or not. She mm-hmm. just like already was amazed. I made so much money in a little time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, that's crazy. So then you, you basically came on board with us. You started working. Um, and, uh, and you, we, we kind of, you really, it was kind of slow at that time. I mean, it's to an extent because we, you were working, you were selling some jobs, you know, doing your thing, but then come 2017, we get that storm in, um, actually we opened an office over there in, in the Springs too. And then we were, yeah. we were talking, we were working together and then we get that storm in 2017, uh, in May, I think it was 2017, yep, right? 28th, I think it was May 28th. Yeah. And, and then you, um, you came up to Denver that day. That was a huge storm. Yeah. Yep. That was a lot of damage. So we were up there working and I was like, oh man, I need to get a hotel. So we started yeah. doing the hotel thing. I yeah. brought Bill with me. Um, and so, yeah, it was living in a hotel, getting up early as, as early as we can get. Well, it wasn't a motel. It was a hotel. It was a motel. <laughs> it was yeah. like pretty, pretty rough quarters. Yeah. It was you were just, else. you guys were trying to save money and it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty hard. I feel like, you know, I, I was used to this from satellite marketing. Um, yeah. I would go out there and do satellite hotel systems yeah. and we'd send the guys out with 10 guys. Living. So I was prepared for it. Yeah. Part of me, I was a little excited. Like, you know, yeah. this is going to happen. We're going to have some, you know, good times out there. Yeah. But, you didn't know what was in store though at that time. And you were still really excited. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I went out there, we're just, I just knew the function was not about like, getting to the end result. It was more like in the moment, this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. We have to get out there. I need you to yeah. knock on doors. Yeah. And I created a system and mm-hmm. you know, Bill is a good friend of mine and he believes in me. So like he just, yeah. and he saw me do this before. So Bill was your canvasser. Canvasser. Yeah. So, and then you had, um, you had, uh, and then I, I got you a sale, another sales guy kind Wade, of underneath yep. you. You started training him and stuff. Yep. And so you, you had this little, you know, three man team kind of going on. Yep. And you know, there's hardships throughout anything. Cause you know, yeah. when people start working together, they there's likes and dislikes of each other. But, um, yeah, for the most part, you know, there's days where we went out there and just kicked butt and stuff. You guys were kicking butt. Yeah. You were really uh, working hard. I remember getting out there like eight o'clock at night when my day was done and, and just kind of like checking out in with you guys and you were still like selling that homeowner, you know, just yeah. kind of hitting all the, you, man, you guys were running so many leads. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, part of the thing is like, you have to remember like, 
even though you might have got your fill for the day, mm-hmm. your canvassers got two more guys out there, mm-hmm. and they have the hardest job, really. You know, so you really got to get to all those guys <coughs> and do what you can to keep them happy and stuff. Well, I remember I had some canvassers too out there. I got a couple more people out there. Yep. And we were we were overloaded. We just had we couldn't even get to everybody. Oh yeah, I know? have. There's some days I'd be like two three hours in i've done three leads and i have 16 leads still in front of me from canvassers yeah and i'm like please get me another sales guide here because i cannot handle this myself yeah and that's why kind of why i got weighed out there and then i got i tried to get somebody else it was just a struggle at that time um so then from then you you kind of you're so you're knocking on doors you never sold commercial jobs before right yep. you uh but you you know you I didn't mean your belief system you're just like the bigger the better type thing right yeah when i when i was out there like we're at McDonald's eating or whatever we could. I'm constantly thinking about like, how do I make it bigger and better? Yeah. So I remember I was with Bill and I hear a girl sitting down mm-hmm. and she's talking to someone else and it sounds like she's being interviewed. Mm-hmm. So hmm. as soon as the guy gets up and leaves, to get a hamburger. I'm mm-hmm. like, Hey, listen, are you looking for a job? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm just fishing around and stuff. She's yeah. like, yeah. So like she gave me her number and stuff. Mm-hmm. I sat down with her Yeah. and I took her out like maybe like six or seven times in the field with Bill. Okay. Started like in our yeah. work, and one of the things we did, we were in the neighborhood. Yeah, we were looking for people hardcore that uh, during that yeah. time. It's yeah, not, it's like money. Every time you pass yeah. up a, a person, you're passing up. Money. I think we went through a good five, six people, just kind of like at least, you know, kind of going in and out of the system. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this one didn't make it either, and stuff. It's it's a lot. You know, some people have it, some people don't. Yeah, and in her situation, she. Ended up downing it in the beginning, but she ended up liking it and trusting in it. Okay. But she just was in a situation where she didn't have support mm-hmm. at the house. Um, yeah. And she kind of gave up on it. She, okay. She's trying to like, you know, having like making she left a, you with a good lead. Um. So yeah, we were in a we were in a, a location where it was all brand new residential. Okay. Like the houses were empty. Okay. And I said, you knock on every single door. Now this looks like yeah, it's. No one lives here and stuff, but we have to knock because you never know who the next person is. Yeah. So okay. we knocked and I saw like, oh, this is a builder right here. So let's. Well, that little piece right there is that a lot of times people assume the next person is not good, but you're kind of, I'm, I'm, you're not, you withhold that judgment and you just make, even make a, a better judgment. Like the next person might be the one. Right. The next person might be the one. You're constantly thinking that the next person might be the one. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's uh, important. That's yeah, important it's detail. It's huge. And yeah. Cause I, even I slip into it where I'm just like, uh, they don't really want a roof, you know, and then I'll just be like, wait, hang on a second. I got to like take control of my thinking and I say, wait, no, they might be the one they might be. You never know how this could be a landlord with 20 properties for all, you know, right. You know, until you do a good job for them and, and there you go, you know, so that's uh, that's something that it's I think it's a constant battle. Do you still struggle a little bit with that at all or like or maybe they don't really want my services? Not really. Like, no? okay. honestly, like when I go through it, I just kind of like it's yeah. a number system. Like yeah. if I get some no. Yeah. Hey, no problem. You have a great day. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. And I treat it like that. And if I can leave the house like that, yeah. they usually reflect back like, okay, you too, buddy. Yeah. They're they're kind of like, yeah. I'm not there to sell. I'm yeah. there to offer something. Absolutely. It's a free service. Yeah. This is what you need. I know they need this. Yeah. And I tell. I don't I, ever use the word free though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, I tell, I, I mean, I'm, that's what I'm telling myself. Okay. Okay. But like, I tell my guys like, listen, you're not selling someone anything. Yeah. Every one of these people Absolutely. have a damaged roof and they yeah. will. Mm-hmm. Get someone to do this. Is yep. it going to be you or someone else? Yep. Okay. That's it. Just uh, just a mentality thing. Yeah. But don't be afraid to get a no. Yeah. Get comfortable with the no's and just don't let it burn you. Because if you, if you carry that weight, mm-hmm. you will be 
bogged down and not able to deliver that smile and be that person at the last person when they're when they need you to be for that yes well there's a couple of mental strategies you can use with that and for one no is not necessarily a no no could be a yes just not now Right. So you think of it that way, right? And then a no is also uh, it could be an, it could be a, a straight up no and like you know get the heck out of here. I'm getting my shotgun, which if that's a no, that's actually a kind of a win too. I think because when they say no to me, they're just basically saying I'm going to give you some more time to go work with other people who really want what you have to offer. Right. So I look at it that way. I almost say like you said no, give me a hard no. Thank you. I'm going to free myself. You just freed me up some time. I'm going to go work with people who really exactly. need what I need. The quick no's so, are better. Yeah, quick no's are good. And then the other thing is. Um, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. Those are probably the two dominant ways I look at no. Yeah. The, the, the no's that drain me are mm-hmm. the, the sweet lady trying to offer you cookies and water and she's trying to sell you no the, the sweetest way. And I'm like, Oh God, lady, just yeah. let me go. So, but yeah. like, you know, it's the guys that are real quick no's like, Hey, no. Yeah. You used to be surprised how many times I've had someone that's trying to be that aggressive, like no at the door. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. And yeah. like, they're like, okay. Yeah. And they're fine afterwards. Yeah, they're relieved. And some yeah. actually say, you know what? Hold on. I'll, I'll listen to you. Cause absolutely. you're being respectful to them still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's when you're confrontational that it can go the other way and stuff. It's, it's wearing on you. It goes nowhere. And don't try to push the, don't try to turn a no into a yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, uh, the other thing was, um, Man, we're, we went a long time. <laughs> I just realized that. So, okay, yeah, let's get to the um, let's get to the big the big daddy. So okay. you uh, so you kind of you've been you're running around, you're selling jobs left and right, residential jobs, and then you and this is a big deal because like I think a lot of guys want to get into commercial business and they you know they kind of um, do you hear that sound? Yeah. What is that? I think they're like doing some work. They're doing outside. So um, there's a, a lot of guys just kind of want to sell you know big jobs and they just including myself you know and I haven't really I've sold some big jobs but um, I mostly do residential and I think uh, you kind of seemingly lucky you got seemingly lucky but it really wasn't luck. It was you being persistent and doing the right things. Yeah. And sticking with it. I also that you came across a, yep. a good, a good prospect. That new hire Kayla, we mm-hmm. got to that neighborhood. I was telling you about where it was all brand new residential. Mm-hmm. And I said, you have to knock on every single door cause you don't know which one's the right one. Mm-hmm. And we went through the house, the houses were all empty. Mm-hmm. They had, the, they had the, the name of the company that was selling it. Mm-hmm. I finally get to the end of the cul-de-sac and mm-hmm. I knock on the store and this guy comes out. And he says, no, this is a brand new home. Everything's fine. I go, well, you know what? How about I just do this? Let me just give you a quick free inspection mm-hmm. and just, just offer it to him. And yeah. He says, yeah, if you see something. And I, luckily as me, I went on the roof. Yeah. His roof was fine. It was just mm-hmm. like one little piece of uh, uh, his concrete mm-hmm. tile was chipped. And he's okay. like, he like, I'll be. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? Go ahead and give me that full inspection. Okay. And then when that was done, he says, you know, can you do me a favor? Can you stop by a few of my other houses? Okay. <laughs> and after I went to a couple more houses, hey, my son has some more houses that they have, four or five houses. Can you look at those? Yeah. And then I went to stop by my landscaping company. Yeah. And then after that, he's like, you know what? I own Permagreen products. Yeah. And he's like, that got hit by hail. That's a huge industrial, uh, huge industrial huge. building. And then yeah. he owned Ridge Valley Storage. And that yeah. was a big storage place. Yeah. And then it got to the point where he says, Will, I don't want you to sell to anyone else this year. Mm-hmm. He's like, I got enough work for you for the rest of the year. It's probably true. Yeah. So, um, and I got a great relationship with them, but it mm-hmm. was all from knocking on a, definitely on a street. No one ever, there was no cars in the street, no nothing. Yeah. 
every house that you can see was empty. Mm-hmm. There was only one person that lived on that street. And yeah. It was the right one. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's crazy. So that's kind of how it works. And that you know? day was nose all day long. Yeah. So really, I mean, wow. think about that. Mm-hmm. You would have had someone new walk away from a commission that would have been worth eight years of their pay at some like other job. Well, I think you told me that she was like, well, do you think they really want our services? The, the, uh, the Kayla kind of said that to you. you know, yeah. Let's just do that one more. Yep. And that was Roxy. Yep. Okay. That Roxy. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy, man. And that's I had nuts. two people with me that went with me back and forth to him. Yeah. And you know, he was not the easiest sale. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I just stuck with it. I made sure I came every time. I mean, all those jobs, it had to be at least um, $1.5 worth of like revenue. Yeah. At least, right? Or not yeah. just that one customer. Yeah, that one yeah. customer, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Because that, that big job, that metal job ended up being about a million dollar Yeah, a little, little over a million dollars. was like $1.1 1. 1 Metal job. Yeah, we had it 500 squares of metal. Yeah, and what's crazy is like I'm sitting here with this guy and I have like five residential homes. Mm-hmm. I have three or, or two big commercials and mm-hmm. one small commercial with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if I can just get this guy to agree, because mm-hmm. he has a lawyer involved and stuff. And, you know, okay. he's a little, he yeah. doesn't know me yet. He yeah. told me that the last company he went with, he was a little gun shy because they, you know, moved out of the state and stuff. And he was yeah. with no, he, he, I guess the thing was the guy came into state and bought a small business. Mm-hmm. So he fronted that he was in Colorado and he wasn't. Mm. So he was he was gun shy to me. I bet. Yeah, no, I remember that. Um, and so he, um, I think uh, one kind of aspect to that was we we had to bring in a third party consultant to kind of help us, uh, you know, get with the insurance company what we needed to get have a healthy budget to get the job done. Right. Right. And so you, that's where your kind of like level of expertise just kind of like skyrocketed really because that's when we brought in a public adjuster yep. and we started, you know, figuring out all the details of, of all of that. And it was worth it. Cause I mean, when we brought the guy in the, like the insurance brought their engineers mm-hmm. and the engineer, most people think, Oh, engineers are here. Mm-hmm. Somebody perfect. They're going to get everything. Yeah. And yeah. it's not true. Exactly. Like we, the public adjuster found that at least just on one of the, uh, on the, commercial side, mm-hmm. like about $500,000 more damage. Yeah. I think it's important for people to know that for customers, especially is that like, and I, I think uh, I come across this quite a bit, the older folks is that, um, they really, they, they kind of live, they come from a time where they would get some hailstorm, and the insurance agent themselves would come out to the property mm-hmm. after the storm say, Hey, is, is your property? Okay. You know, and really take care of them and make sure they get everything taken care of and whatnot. And, uh, and it's just not like that anymore, you know, no. at all. And it's just kind of like, um, turning into a pretty nasty fight with insurance companies a lot of time to get them to, to make sure we have a healthy budget to get the job done and just return them to where they were before the storm, you know? So right. I think, uh, you know, it's important for people to kind of have, um, you know, just to kind of be aware of that, that it's, um, a lot of times the, uh, I, there's a lawyer that kind of like talked about this and it's called the big lie. Have you heard of that, that lawyer? He, one of our conferences, he talked yeah. about the big lie. Yeah. Um, John Howtailing, I think is his name. And and so he, um, he says the big lie is based on advertising and marketing from insurance companies. And they basically convinced everybody that they have the insurance company has your best interest in mind. 
And that is kind of like the big lie, you know, and um, don't get me wrong. I think insurance companies, uh, you know, do have people's good uh, interest in mind, um, you know, a lot of times. And I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me because I work with a lot of insurance companies and agents and stuff. And they do take care of the customer most of the time. But when it comes to a big job like that and they, uh, you know, they come in and at saying, well, you're only going to need I think they start like four hundred thousand. Right. Right. To replace all that roofing. I mean, that doesn't even cover the material costs. Right. Just the material alone was more than that, you know? Right. So it's really hard to expect someone to find all the damage when you have that much. We have buildings that are two stories high, Mm -hmm. historical buildings, Mm -hmm. um, just tons of little small details. How can you go through eight buildings and find all the details? Yeah. In like an hour and a half. Yeah, you can't. It's impossible. Then two days. So, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, you know, if you're someone that owns that property and you let the insurance come through, mm-hmm. you'd hear, wow, there's a lot of damage there. Yeah. Thanks. But like the misservice would be that you didn't realize like maybe four or five years you would come across something else. And you're like, well, that's too late now to get that repaired. Absolutely. They must have pissed. And, and they're human. So you'd accept it and stuff. But having those extra set of eyes, the, you know, someone that like a public adjuster that can help you guide you through this. And yeah, honestly, like, there's a lot of things involved. Like people think, hey, you know, they're motivated by money. And that's granted, there is that level there too. But well, I'm going to get Trevor in here. And I wonder if uh, uh, Trevor's are the public adjuster we work with. And so I wonder if um, it might be, a, well, I'll talk to him about it. But I wonder if it would be kind of a cool, um, like, special edition of the show to have both you guys in here. We can kind of go through that job. Yeah. in a little more detail and and so yeah. that way when there's a commercial building owner out there they can kind of listen to the podcast and kind of get a really good sense of the mm-hmm. process of if they get some hail damage yeah so i think i want to get trevor in here too and do an interview with him and then um and then maybe we can do one where it's like a special edition where the three of us are in here talking about that job i remember because we, we go into the, I, mean, I went into that job with you guys and we were in getting a lot of details a lot of crazy yeah. details so um, but yeah, so then that, that kind of happened and then we, we got that all done. I think we really just finished that job out. What, um, it, it, it was nine it was, months ago. That job came with so many challenges, yeah. you know, and I learned a lot from it. Yeah. But like, thank God I had some level of understanding of how things work. Yeah. Cause when you're going through a job and you uncover something, you realize mm. like, wait a second here, there's an outlet on this roof and yeah. we're, we're raising it up. Yeah. And the guys, it might snow. Yep. And the guys have it ripped apart. Yep. I now have to go ahead and figure out what electrician that's going to come out here yeah. after me begging yeah. to get them out of here and yeah. get this job done. And they got to be out the same day. Today. I yeah. never met you. Yeah. Do they have the right credentials? How much does it cost? Get a yeah. quote. Call the insurance. This is what I'm going through. Yeah. Tell the guys, start working on this side right here. Mm-hmm. Don't go too far because mm-hmm. I don't want it to have the roof all uncovered. And just incorporate... 10 different things so that at the end of the day, it all suits up perfectly. Yeah. And the, and you're it's getting crazy. paid. So yeah. it, it was, it's crazy how much went into that. Um, so then that, that was, uh, that was really, we just finished that job a little, a little while, you know, a few months ago and you should be getting paid on that commission here. I think she's calculating and all the costs right now and getting it and getting it capped out, but you've already made quite a bit just on oh, yeah. draws. Cause yeah, Amanda's already calculating the back end how I'm going to spend it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so let's kind of go a little full circle at this point now. I mean, what's your life look like now? I mean, do you, so we're at, from having that conversation at the, at the dinner at, at lunch, when yeah. we first talked to like what it is now, I mean, what, what's, uh, what are some big wins that you've had? Yeah, from the time when I quit Time Warner Cable and Amanda's like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Yeah. Um, we 
took our home and remodeled it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was that was huge. It was huge. It was, yeah. it's, the first thing that came about that she thought was crazy is that I came home with like a hundred cinder blocks. Yeah, and started building this patio kitchen outside. And she, yeah, and she, and she once again is like, "What are you doing to our home?" But yeah. like after it was done, it was finished, beautiful. Were you out? Had you always had in mind to refinish the basement? Yeah. You've yep. always wanted to do that for always a while. Always wanted it. Yep. Yeah. So you're finished. And you did it, I mean, exactly how you wanted it. It's like your dream basement at this point. Oh, yeah. I that's yeah. the hardest thing was when I was looking for a new home. I couldn't find a basement that looked as nice as mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah so it's everyone. Really nice. But like people like could come over and they're like, there are time warner cable. And I would tell them, like, hey, I'm in roofing. You should yeah. come check it out. Yeah. No. But then they start coming over the house. Yeah. And they're like. Yeah. Roofing, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah, what is going awesome. on here? I'm like, yeah. see that truck out there? Paid cash for it. It's already paid off in the yeah. first eight months. Yeah. So, like, there was definitely, like, you couldn't turn that away. Like, mm-hmm. people, but even with that. You've also gone some pretty cool vacations with your family. Stuff you've, that's oh, something yeah. you probably always wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, a vacation for us would be just, like, it's not, even if we don't have the money to do it right then and there. Yeah. We were never afraid to go ahead and spend it on the card and stuff because yeah. I could have there's months I've had eight thousand dollars on the credit card from spending that month. Yeah, and it was paid. That, it was paid that month. Difference though of taking a nice vacation on your card than taking it and you're just paying for it. Oh yeah, Amanda you takes know? full advantage of her card. If I have cash, yeah, it still goes on the card because she gets like the points. She's <laughs> Amanda took last year two or three free vacations just yeah. on points. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important for the you know one kind of is for the the husbands and spouses to be on the same page in this business. Because yep. the spouses have to take a lot of sacrifice, I think. You know, I mean, yeah. I've, uh, I was just talking to Annie this morning, my wife, and she was saying how, you know, not this summer, but the summer before that, I was working till 11 o'clock at night. We were doing working that office in the Springs and had a couple more reps over there, too. And we were just, um, and I didn't do that this summer because I, I have a business coach now, if I told you about that. Yeah. But she's helped me just kind of make sure I don't get burnout because I've, I've suffered from burnout over the years and it's the worst feeling, you know, just don't want to do anything whatsoever. And she was kind of like, help me prevent that. So she's like, you know, um, just, uh, you know, so I haven't been working nuts like that and I have boundaries and stuff like that. Like I've, um, changed, I have a live answering service now so I can hang out with my family. But, um, but yeah, so then now, and you bought a, you bought a new house. You guys, uh, are mm-hmm. moving into the house here pretty soon, right? Yep. I always wanted a house on a cul-de-sac because I envisioned the kids playing out. When I grew up, mm-hmm. the, I had the park down the street. Mm-hmm. I was able to go on the street and mm-hmm. like have fun and like not worry about cars running us over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I found this new oh, development. It's on a cul-de-sac? It's on a cul-de-sac. Oh, nice. We're three That's away awesome. from the end. That's awesome. Yep. And it's, uh, it's a thousand, it's like almost 4,000 square feet. Damn. The, uh, property is almost double the size that we had before so mm-hmm. more backyard for the kids okay and it really it backs up to a park so oh wow that's Mana, nice Mana works from home so i have her office up on the back level top level okay so that she can overlook the park so the kids mm. want to go play she can just that's nice she has a few wow. of the mounds. that's huge yeah that's huge man congratulations yeah, that's really great you. that's really great that's that's what it's all about you know it's, it's so i was talking about in the very beginning it's like a rags to riches story it's not exactly a rags to riches you weren't in rat, but you definitely were kind of like a little more on the modest side of things. And, and yeah. I mean, you're not necessarily, uh, you know, a hundred worth a hundred million these days, but you know, you definitely have changed your lifestyle completely. And I think it's like kind of a, you know, it's an, it's an awesome, amazing situation to be in. Yeah. I'm, I'm real excited for the future. I mean, I yeah. look at like, and I go to, I still like every day I go, I sign up for like courses. Um, I still want to learn more. Yeah. And, um, 
I talk to like people that are winning at a higher level now yeah. and I see them and what their struggles are Yeah, and there's still struggles to come. And I, I'm going through right now that like, just like small things, like how do I do this? How do I do that to make myself, excuse me, make myself better? Well, we adopted the uh, job Nimbus, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a, that's kind of a struggle in and of itself, you know, is getting yeah. the CRM, you know, incorporating a CRM into the business and we, uh, you know, that's definitely a, a big deal and um, something we need to keep learning about. But we're also going to the uh, Storm Ventures group. You're, mm-hmm. I've already got my tickets. Did you get your tickets for that yet? No, I have not. Are you planning to go to that? Yeah, I'm going to go to it. Okay. Well, there's a couple other conferences I want to tell you about. Um, there's the IMG conference coming up. Um, mm-hmm. You heard of that one? It's yeah. in Anaheim, California. Yep. So I, I'm thinking about going to that one. There's one called D2D Con, which is like door-to-door sales con. Yep. So it's the... What's that... Uh, that superhero um, uh, conference where something oh Comic Con Comic Con it's yeah. like Comic Con but it's D to D Con oh really door to door Con <laughs> that's in January I kind of thinking about going to that one but definitely the SVG is going to be the big one and the IMG I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit that one too we can talk about that later but um but yeah man it's pretty I think the point is that keep learning keep working hard we're at a certain level right now and it's just the sky's the limit right. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I remember the first time I went to uh, uh, win the storm. Yeah. I was like with Bill and I was like thinking to myself, mm-hmm. one day I'm going to be on that stage and I'll yeah. probably be teaching about like door to door because at yeah. the time yeah. I knew it so well. Yeah. People like line up to go with me every single time. Yeah. Well, this uh, podcast, I feel like someone could get a pretty good, uh, some pretty good nuggets out of this, you know, to as far as door to door sales go and the belief system that's involved with it and all that, you know, I think that's kind of what I was hoping to, to give to our fellow roofing contractors out there. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. The biggest thing I could take from this is like to emphasize is that when I left Time Warner Cable, mm-hmm. it was not easy there because mm-hmm. there was times where you work yeah. and you don't get paid for, until yeah. that happens. And I was, I was lucky to have Amanda as a support structure. That's true. But like, I would tell like, Hey, we got to do ramen noodles to mm-hmm. survive. Absolutely. Because we will get there. I was one of those guys that, that could see the end game. Yeah. And she, and I was dealing with the person that's never done that kind of sales. But the, getting the end game, you, this was probably what you ended up achieving is probably beyond what you even envisioned. Yeah, no, yeah, it you probably was. didn't envision selling a million dollar commercial job. You know, like you're probably like if I sell, you know, fifty residentials, I'll be pretty awesome. The way I always did it is after a day of selling, I would tell Amanda, "I just made this much money today," mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Where is it?" <laughs> like, it's gonna come, but I've already done yeah. it. Now I just have to do everything right to get that money. Yeah, from this point. Yeah. But, it's, but did you envision selling a million dollar commercial job before you came? Before the, when you started coming here for the work in the storm? No, I was. I did not plan on that i did not okay. think about i always wanted it but i couldn't grasp like that happening yeah yeah absolutely absolutely it wasn't like a concrete a goal that you would like set in mind yeah but the belief system was what drove you and what ended up getting you to that to yeah. that to that level so well that's awesome uh you know i'm kidding we're gonna wrap it up at this point and uh thank you again will for for coming here and sharing all this valuable information with everybody and uh i want to thank my listeners for uh for listening and please feel free to uh, give us a review, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, be on the lookout for the next one, which I'm starting to think it might be Trevor Karras with uh, Front Range Claims. All right. Uh, have a great afternoon. So thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I really hope that you got something out of this show. Please be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. And if you would be so nice as to leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. 
If you do know someone who you think could benefit from listening to this show, if you know what I mean, please send them our way and we hope that we can help them. Thank you again and I hope you have a great day.